Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, February 1st, 2016. Hello again, everyone. I'm Mario Hawani inside our New York City studio. Great to be here with you for another episode of the show. I am so very excited about today's show. Wow. There's a lot going on. There's a lot to discuss. There's a lot to share with all of you. I am super excited. Super awesome excited. Of course, we're coming off UFC on Fox 19. Was it 19? Yeah, I think it was 19. Anyway, it was UFC on Fox in Newark, New Jersey. The big news, Anthony Johnson defeating Ryan Bader in very quick and impressive fashion. There's no doubt about it. He is the number one contender in the UFC's light heavyweight division. How about Ben Rothwell submitting Josh Barnett? I think a lot of people thought that you know, Ben Rothwell could win, maybe via decision, maybe via knockout. But submitting Josh Barnett the way he did with that go-go choke that's now the most talked about choke in MMA. His coach, Luis Claudio, uh, tried it on me for literally a second and at maybe 5%, if I'm being generous. And it was incredibly uncomfortable. It, it felt like my Adam's apple was coming out of my throat. He hit Mitrion with that. He hit Josh Barnett with that. First time Josh Barnett has ever tapped due to submission. Uh, and and if, oh, could you imagine if he gets a title shot and can hit that on Fabricio Verdum? Who, who saw this coming out of Big Ben Rothwell? One of the great stories in MMA right now and a, a great character as well. And then also Sage Northcutt losing to Brian Barberina via arm triangle, a choke that wasn't really sunk in, only the fifth time in UFC history that that choke has been pulled off that way where the guy applying the choke was either in half guard or full guard, not even side control. And, and that has now led to a lot of criticism thrown Sage's way. A lot of people celebrating his loss, a lot of people celebrating his demise, a lot of people laughing at not only him, but the UFC as well. I have many takes on this, of course, and, and we will get into that throughout today's show as well. Uh, this weekend, as you know by now, it's no longer UFC 196. It's UFC Fight Night 82, UFC Fight Night Vegas. It's no longer the heavyweight title on the line. It's Johnny Hendricks versus Stephen Thompson. This broke Tuesday of last week after Verdum, towards the end of our show, uh, announced that he will be pulling out of the card this weekend. Uh, a mess for the UFC, but they have now moved the card from pay-per-view to free TV, cable TV, I should put it. Um, that is FS1. Bellator had a show this weekend. There's a lot going on in the world of MMA, and we'll be, uh, we'll be breaking some news as well. Let's get into today's show. At around 3.05 p.m. Eastern time, we're going to be joined by Anthony Paroche, veteran Anthony Paroche. The hippo himself will be joining us from Sydney, Australia, to discuss his recent announcement that He'll be walking away from the sport. He has decided to retire. Good for him. Nice little run in the UFC. Always enjoyed watching Anthony Proch for some reason. 
and uh, he's kind enough to join us at 3.05. At 2.45, we're going to talk to the aforementioned Sage Northcutt in his first interview since that loss to Brian Barberina this past weekend. Appreciate him coming on. That shows a lot of maturity, in my opinion, by the 19-year-old Sage Northcutt. At 2.25, Scott Coker will come on to look back at Bellator 148. Paul Daly winning via knockout. Some brutal knockouts on that card Friday night in Fresno, California. Also, we'll look ahead to Bellator 149. At 205, we're going to be joined by Benson Henderson, the former WEC and UFC lightweight champion. He was in the corner of one Brian Barberina this past weekend. Also talk about what's next for him. Artem Lobov will stop by at 145 to preview his fight against Alex White this weekend in Las Vegas. That is UFC Fight Night 82. That fight airs on UFC Fight Pass, and 125, we're going to talk to Fabricio Verdum, the reigning and defending UFC heavyweight champion who, as I said, will not be fighting this weekend, unfortunately, due to a couple of injuries. Also, as always, we want to hear from you at around 325. We'll take your questions and comments also. We'll uh, look back at a classic interview in our Y'all Must Have Forgot Clip of the Week segment, and how about Roy Jones and the HBO Boxing Crew? Fighting my style this weekend as Jean Pascal walked out to his eventual loss. But still, still very much a, a song that is in our conscious. So um, I, 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 I hinted, I will say this without giving away too much. At some point in today's show, someone will be breaking major news on the show. So I do suggest you tune in throughout. Uh, we'll, we'll be hinting at this throughout the show, but... Again, I repeat, at some point in today's show, major news will be broken. I do suggest sticking around. For now, though, let's go to the Skype machine and welcome in our colleague Dave Meltzer of MMAfighting.com and, of course, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Dave, Dave uh, thank you very much for the time. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Ariel? I'm well, doing... not really that great, but yes. uh, I'm, I'm glad to be on the show. I appreciate the time, as always. Uh, let's start. I think I know what you're referencing. Uh, some, some very sad and unfortunate news just broke around uh, an hour or so ago, my favorite pro wrestler of all time, Brett the Hitman wow. Hart. Uh, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Canadian hero, Canadian legend, uh, announced via his Instagram that uh, he has prostate cancer. What can you tell us about this? Yeah, I, I basically know um, he had uh, contacted me last night and told me he would be going public with it. And he's having, he would be having surgery this week to remove it. And um, that's pretty much all I know, uh, you know, past what he has said. I, I know that his brother actually has uh, prostate cancer as well. Oh, I think wow. we learned that his brother, older brother Smith, who um, we learned about that within the last two weeks. So it's a real tough time for the family. And he's, you know, he's a fighter. He went through a stroke and made a recovery far better than anyone ever expected he could, because that was a really nasty stroke that he had over a decade ago. So um, um, I just want to wish him the best of luck. Yes, same here. Uh, as you mentioned, a fighter, 100%, a, a, a tough SOB, uh, a throwback, if you will, one of those guys who uh, you, you would wonder about, you know, back then if MMA was around, would he have gone into that world? But uh, most importantly, I do wish him the best, and uh, th that's a little bit, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a bummer to start the day, and uh, I hope the surgery goes well. Do they know, you know, what stage it's at, how serious it is right now? Did he give you any of that information? I don't know. Okay. I'm going to try to actually find that out today. Okay. I, I didn't hear anything. I think it's. I think it's fairly early. I'm at least. I hope. I hope it is. Hopefully, yeah. Um, okay. So we wish him the best. I want to talk to you about this past weekend. I, I want to start actually with Sage Northcutt because obviously he was a, a fascinating story up until this point, and then to see the reaction to his loss and to see how he lost. 
Um, it's, it's all very fascinating. And I want to get your take on this. And in particular, the way people have reacted to it. Are you surprised by any of this? Or did you expect once he lost that this was coming? Well, you know, I mean, after after with Ronda Rousey, yeah. I mean, I think that this is just the nature of what we're going to have is there are going to be people who are pushed very hard in this business. And because of that, when they fall, there's going to be a gang up on them. I mean, it's, I think we're going to get that. This is just an example of the future. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I wasn't surprised. I think that the nature of how the submission happened, because it was in a move that a lot of people wouldn't have thought, and it becomes a big question. It's like, what does this mean? I mean, we all know that eventually everybody loses in this sport. And at 19, it's not the end of the world. And it's not. You know, I mean, he's, it's, it's just uh, an early part of his career. He may rebound. He may, he may be a trivia question in five years. Remember that guy? Right. We don't know. But, but um, I think that the quick tapping and the way it was portrayed on TV and the way a lot of the fighters portrayed it as well, um, it throws a big question because, you know, to be a star in this sport, yeah, you have to have ability. That's going to take time to develop and all that. But if you're not willing to hang in when the going gets tough, you, that's, 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 a, that's not a good sign. Now, is this an isolated incident? Does he learn from it? I mean, it's so early in his career. But it was something. And, and again, you know, one of the things, too, is with, from a fighter standpoint, and I think you know this, is there were a lot of fighters that resented what he made. And I never like to resent what people make. You know, because it's just it's not good for you anyway. And it's and again, the onus on what you're getting paid is is more on what the you know, it's it, if, if you're going to resent somebody, resent the owners of the company for offering him that not him for getting it. But that's not how it works. This to me was another reminder that there'll never be any kind of union in mixed martial arts, because if you if you compare it to another sport, let's say there, there's a guy who plays for the New York Knicks. His name is Kristaps Porzingis. He is 19 years old as well. When he was drafted number four by the New York Knicks, and a lot of people thought that that was at the time too high, you didn't see the fellow draftees go to Twitter and say he doesn't deserve it. You didn't see people rooting for his demise. You don't see people, you know, uh, other players, I should say say, oh, look at him getting dunked on and things like that. Fighters, for some reason, it, it, they're, they're a jealous bunch at times. And it was interesting to see who was laughing at Sage and who was trying to stick up for him. The guys who are comfortable in their careers, the champions, the former champions, were saying, don't worry, kid, you'll be back. The guys who are sort of in the middle, who haven't quite figured out how to break through, who feel like they're being underpaid, who don't get pushed as much, were then saying, you know, haha, you know, in your face to the UFC and to him. And so I thought it was so interesting to see his, like the fans, I get that. But to see fellow fighters, colleagues, jealous that he makes X amount. It's really not all that much. But in our sport, I guess for an unproven 19-year-old, it's, it's too much. That to me was the most bothersome part of it all. And so then I'll ask you about the UFC. I'll ask you about in hindsight, and that's the fun game to play. In hindsight, was it too much too soon? Or was it, because, you know, not that long ago, everyone was saying, UFC doesn't have enough stars. They don't know how to build stars. All the old guys are gone. And now here we are, you know, with Conor Ronda. But it wasn't all that long ago that people were saying. So do you, do you understand why they did it? Or do you think it was too much too soon to put this guy in his third fight in four months on Big Fox? Okay, I think, um, I don't think it, you, you've got to go with, with, with the opportunity brings you. I mean, a perfect example of him is, is, is yes, UFC pushed him. But at the same time, when fans saw him on the first show, there was an immediate reaction to him. And you've got to follow the fans. And, 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 and in fact, be ahead of the fans. The, the, him putting him on Fox wasn't um, a mistake. I would have done the exact same thing. You've got to do it when you have somebody that, um, you know, and again, like just, just with, with this one, 
after the show, there was more talk about Sage Northcutt after the show than there was about Rumble Johnson, who's Absolutely. now in line, without a doubt, yep. for a light heavyweight championship fight. I mean, it's like, so it's, he is what everyone's talking about. And, you know, so, so the, the public was already there. Um, they, so, I, yeah, no, I wouldn't say that. Um, you would say that you would want to protect him and not throw him to the wolves. I was worried when they put him against Andrew Holbrook. I thought that was a mistake. I thought that, look, you know, don't let's not get carried away here. Build him slowly, like like a boxer, like a prospect. Yeah. Um, um, Barbarina, you know, that was more of a surprise. And I don't think that they went in there. I don't think they went in there expecting that he would lose. He did. So that's what happened. But no, I'm putting him on Fox. No, not a mistake. I mean, it, it what happened happened. But you've you've you know you've got to you've got to do that. You've got to try. If you don't try with new people, then you no, you're not going to make new stars. And, and perhaps the mistake was having him fight at 170. Uh, maybe they should have perhaps. tried to fight find someone at 155. And I always think a, a, a reclamation project, the guy making a comeback, it's just as interesting as a guy making a run. So I'm curious to see how he rebounds, what he does, how this affects him. I, I don't think it hurts the UFC. And again, it goes back to why I enjoy watching MMA more than, say, pro wrestling these days, the unpredictability. In the world of pro wrestling, Sage Northcutt would have never lost that fight, right? I mean, there's no way in heck. <laughs> Just looking at their physiques, right? But that's what makes this yeah. fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a sport and everything. And the thing is, is with MMA, and we all know this, is one loss doesn't end a career or anything like this. And, and the thing is, he is a star. People are still talking about him. Now, again, the, the more, my, my question more is, is like, what does this say about his future? Because skill-wise, like we, like I said, we you know he can improve. But um, if he doesn't have, um, you know, if he if he's if he's not good at getting out of bad situations, because every fighter is going to be in bad situations, he's not good at that. That's a question. That's something that you know. Again, time will tell on him. But it's it it's just part of the journey. I mean, and and we don't know where it's going to be. He may never amount to anything other than, hey, remember that guy, Chris Horodecki? Remember when yep. we had him? He was supposed to be the big young phenom. And he had a career and he's around, but he never reached the, the level of stardom that people expected. And maybe Sage will be, you know, a guy who uh, learns from his mistakes, uh, trains hard, comes back, and ends up as a star when he's 25, 26. And it's kind of like this is just part of the journey. Who knows? How do you feel about his age? Because I, I will admit it, it feels a little different because he is so young. He's so innocent. He's so wide-eyed, so respectful. I mean, he doesn't say a bad thing about anyone. He calls everyone Mr. Um, or Mrs. Do you feel like it's wrong for us to say, oh, like, the kid's 19. He doesn't deserve the same amount of hate as everyone else. Or if you're in the UFC, you're in the UFC and it's fair game. You're a public figure, and this is part of the sport. I mean, it's not a question of deserve. It's like it's what's going to happen whether we like yeah. it or not. So it's just like when you're in the spotlight, um, your your successes are going to be magnified and your failures are going to be magnified. And, and this was, was a failure or you know a bump in the road or whatever it is, and it's going to be magnified because of that push. And everyone is talking about him because of it. But it's not a it's, – it's, I mean, it's not a good thing, but in the long run, if he comes back from it, it's not a bad thing either because um, – you know, you he he's still talked about. People will still watch his fights. They're going to be curious as, as to what happens with him for a while. Now, if he loses several fights in a row, yeah, people will lose interest. But uh, one loss, um, you know, it just opens up questions. You mentioned Anthony Rumble Johnson. There's not really much more to add there. He's the number one contender. That was a very impressive win. So I want to ask you about Ben Rothwell. To me, he was the star of the show. To submit Josh Barnett, especially in, in, in the way in which he did it, was nothing short of amazing. And now you have this logjam at heavyweight. 
The title was supposed to be defended this weekend. That was a mess. It's not happening. They promised Stipe the shot. Of course, Kane had the shot. He gets injured. Overeem's out there as a free agent. He'll probably try to negotiate for the shot as well. And I think Ben might have the, the most impressive streak of them all as far as the contenders are concerned. What do you do with him next? They, they have, there's, there's no obvious direction um, because I don't know where, where, you know, again, how quick is Kane going to recover? How quick is Verdum going to recover? Um, do you go, Kane's still the biggest name, but, but, you know, now you've got Rothwell, you've got Overeem, and you've got um, Stipe, you know, who all have had big wins since Kane has last fought. So, I mean, you could go with, with any of them. Um, I, you know, it's like none of them are any, to me, are, are like, stand out where it's like, this is the one I'm going with. Because, I mean, Stipe, you know, what do you say about his win over Arlovsky? Sure. Couldn't have been better. You know, um, Rothwell, the nature of that finish, I mean, yeah. What, what, can, what, can, what can you say about that? <laughs> Spinning Josh Barnett, it's never been done. I was stunned, stunned. watching that. I mean, it was just like, you know, usually I, I'm not blown away, but, you know, that, that fight I could have seen gone either way. That wasn't an issue. Uh, ben Rothwell winning that fight wouldn't have surprised me. If you had told me Ben Rothwell was going to win by submission, I would say, like, you know, what 1% chance, 0% chance. So, so that was, you know, I mean, it's a feather in his cap. If, and they could go with him. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I, 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 it's, it's, I, I don't have a strong feel for any of the four, but whoever it is, I think that the other two, you know, two of the other three should, should fight each other. I mean, I could see um, um, Steve Bay against um, Ben Rothwell and then maybe uh, Kane against Verdum or Overeem against Verdum. Um, you know, something like that. But I could see Rothwell getting the shot if that's what they pick. It's just a, it's a hard one. And, and yeah, it's a hard one. You see, I have a lot of respect for Kane and my heart definitely goes out to him. He's had a tremendous amount of bad luck, but I feel like it's going to be a tough sell to put him right back in that title fight because you brought up the best point of them all. I mean, all those other guys have had really big wins since his last fight, which was a loss. And, and, and based on how the, the ticket sales were going for 196, the now former 196, I don't know. I just feel like it's tough. I feel like the best thing for him would be to get him in there, get a win to get his mojo back, his confidence back, build him up in front of the people, and then talk about a title shot. But to put him right back in there, I think that's the, the most obvious answer, no, of them all. So you go with Rothwell, and then you go with Stipe against Kane? I, I'm, 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 inclined, I'm inclined to go with Stipe only because he was promised it, but then you're stuck with Rothwell-Kane, which we saw already at UFC 104. And I don't know. But if, that's a long time ago, too. That was a long time ago. Yeah, I don't know. I really want to see Ben Rothwell fight for the belt just because he cracks me up. And also, now with the submissions against Verdum, it makes it really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the, you know what? Every one of those, it's sure. funny because the, the, every one of those heavyweight fights that are, that are out there that, that we talked about or potential in there with, with, with all of those guys, um, they're, all, they're all interesting fights. So, I mean, we've got like three or four good heavyweight fights, and the whole thing's going to. You know, it'll clear out in time, but right now, yeah, it's, it's, it's some interesting decisions. No one knows the pay-per-view business better than you, and, and that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on this week. Were you surprised when the UFC decided to take next weekend's show off pay-per-view and put it on FS1? Um, when they lost the main event, I mean, the, the precedent was set. I, I didn't see how they could keep it as a pay-per-view unless they could throw in a championship fight or a huge fight at the last minute. So, you know, there's a precedent. It, it, it didn't surprise me. Putting it on FS1 is interesting because they've never done that before. If you remember with, yep. with John Jones and 151, it's like the whole thing was, just, oh, you, you can't do that. You know, you couldn't do that, but they did. I think that one of the things that, that makes it 
made this an easier decision is that they were not going to have a, I believe it was a May pay-per-view. Remember to yep. get to 200, we were skipping a month. Yep. So now they can, what they can do is just go, hey, we're not going to lose a pay-per-view. Essentially, we're moving February to May, yep. and we're just adding a fight night. And um, so it's, it's kind of smoother. But yeah, they'd never done it to switch it to, to, to a TV. And I, I like the idea that if, because again, this is going to happen in the future. You know, uh, every couple of years or so, we're going to have a show where at the end, a champion falls out and we don't have a championship match. And if it can be saved and switched to TV, look, we all win it. We all win. The fighters win. They're not having to miss a payday like happened at 151. And as fans, we get a show. And, and from you, from a UFC standpoint, they're not losing a pay-per-view. They're just moving the date. Okay, so in the interim, they are losing something because they were expecting some kind of pay-per-view revenue. Although I don't think this one True. would have done you know, gangbusters because I think a lot of fans might wait for the new 196, the former 197. But ramifications-wise, like from a business perspective, we think it's so easy to mix and match. Like how big of a deal is this? Let's say you're in demand or direct TV. They've already, they've already set aside that real estate for a pay-per-view on Saturday. Is, is that a major blow? Like are, are, are those outlets, are they, are they upset right now or because you're getting another? Of course another- they're going to be. A, everyone's going to be upset. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's circumstances beyond your control. Okay. Um, they really couldn't. I mean, they really couldn't have gone on with that show as a pay per view. It would have been, you know, with Steve Thompson and uh, Hendricks as the main event. It would have been the worst drawing pay per view they ever did. And I think that, again, everyone's probably upset over the sense that hey, the, the cash infusion we were going to get in early February, we're all losing out on money. But this show wasn't going to do giant numbers, and they very well may put on a, a stronger show in uh, in May sure. in its place, pro- and probably will put on as strong a show. So. You know, this is this business is a, like I say, it's it's not a sprint; it's a marathon. In the end, everything's going to be okay. There's some money lost. It's the cost of doing business. Injuries happen in the sport, and uh, you know, it's unfortunate. It, it's unfortunate it happened late. It's weird that you know two guys dropped out within two days of each other, but um, that's part of that's part of the industry. Given the way things are trending right now, their their highest selling pay per view is UFC 100. Do you feel with you know we're getting close? Do you feel like it's trending towards breaking at UFC 200? Do you feel, because with no Ronda, it depends on the card. Yeah, yeah. With no with, with no Ronda, and it depends on Connor. Um, you know, look if it was if if Ronda Rousey was fighting Holly Holm, I would say that they would break the the UFC 100 record. I was pretty sure of it, uh-huh. um, especially because you know they're going to load up the undercard. Um, without without her, um, you know. Again, if Connor's not on the show, I don't even see how you do it because without either of them, I don't care what card they put on. They may do very, very well, but they're not going to break the record. But um, if they have Connor and they have, say, like, um, you know, again, if they put Weidman and Rockhold underneath um, or whatever they're going to put on, um, if they get the heavyweight championship there, um, you know, there's, there's, we got to find the, we got to see what the card is. I don't see it out of the realm of possibility, but. Losing Ronda from the show uh, takes it from a guarantee, put it that way. It sounds like they're going to put Wyman Rockhold in June, and they want to put CM Punk on that June card, which makes sense, I think, from their perspective, because that will everyone was probably going to skip 199 to save for 200. But if you have Punk there, I mean, there's there's an opening there for a lot of new fans. What would you do if you're the UFC? Do you, do you put him on the biggest show ever? At least that's what they hope, 200? Or do you use him to prop up that, that sister card that was probably going to be overshadowed? I actually would have put him on 200. It's like the first really? or second match on the pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah, because I would want to try to draw, you know, the 
you know, out outside audience in, especially with Ronda Rousey not on the show, just someone that's going to get a, a, the, a, some curiosity for that big show. And then hopefully the magnitude of everything else and seeing Conor McGregor and everything will, will keep those people as fans as opposed to propping up um, another show. Yeah, I, I would have gone with him on, on the bigger show. Perhaps one of the more interesting storylines this weekend is the CM Punk sweepstakes. Mickey Gall is fighting Mike Jackson. Do you like the way that they're doing this, how they've been building to his debut? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's, um, it, it puts something in a match that, uh, you know, nobody, two, two guys that nobody knows at all, and it kind of gives meaning to the match. And, and uh, you know, there's a, there's a showcase. They put it on Fight Pass. I, I, I like it. I mean, I, I could see actually putting it on, uh, you know, on, on FS1 uh-huh. with, more, with more eyeballs on it. But, um, you know, I mean, they're, they're, really, they're really gearing towards trying to build Fight Pass right now. By the way, is that a Roman Reigns calendar in back of you over there? It probably is. My son got me a, a, a WWE calendar. I said I need a calendar for this year, and they brought me a WWE wow. calendar of all things. What a surprise. Yeah. What a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great stuff as always, Dave. Appreciate it, and we'll be uh, checking out the Wrestling Observer for an update, uh, hopefully a good update in the days to come for our guy, Bret Hart. Appreciate that very much. Okay, thanks very much, Ariel. And, right. uh, I'm really curious what's going to happen the rest of your show. Oh, yes. Thank you for that plug <laughs> as well. Got me. <laughs> That is a good tease. There he is. Dave Meltzer stopping by of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter and, of course, MMAfighting.com. So in a second, we are going to talk to Fabrizio Verdum, the heavyweight champion of the UFC, who took some shots from from a few corners of the world because uh, less than 24 hours after it was announced, or around 24 hours after it was announced that Cain Velasquez would not be fighting at UFC 196, the now former UFC 196. It's very confusing. Um, he announced to a group of media members via WhatsApp, which I, I love that he did it that way, um, that he unfortunately would not be able to fight. And some people were saying, well, you were, you were too honest. And, and I think that's a crazy thing to say, especially if you're a media member. We want honesty. Honesty is the number one thing that we should want. Don't tell guys to lie. That's bad. Anyway, we'll get into that and a whole lot more right now. Fabrice Verdum joins us right now via the magic of Skype, once again, from his car. And what is this? Maximum human performance. <laughs> hey. Thank you, man. How are you, man? How are you, Fabricio? Thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate you coming on today. No, man. Anytime, man. You know, you're my, my good friend, like a long time. Thank you for you, man. Appreciate it. Okay, so I want to actually go uh, in order here. Last Sunday, Dana White tweets that Stipe Miocic is going to fight you for the belt this weekend because Cain Velasquez had pulled out due to an injury. When did the UFC inform you of this news? Yes, uh, the UFC don't say nothing about this for me, but uh, my manager, Ali, called me and I asked him, we're doing, uh, uh, Cain Velasquez have an injury and uh, you fight versus uh, Miotic. My manager asked him to me. Mm-hmm. And what, what did you say when you heard the news, when Ali told you the news? My first uh, reaction is, I, it's like, you know, this is uh, number three. You know, the first time versus Travis Brown, and after then, very Mark Hunt, and this is not number three. But I understand uh, Kane Velasquez, man. He have a surgery today, I think so. I have a surgery in his back. I think he's, uh, he covered very fast. I hope so. And uh, it's, uh, my first reaction is just uh, call my, my coach, Rafael Cordero. Mm-hmm. My coach, Babalu, my, my team, you know. This is very important. And uh, I have an injury in my, my foot, you know, but very, it's, 
depends a lot. I, 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 don't, I don't kick for two weeks, the right uh, leg, because I have injured my foot. But I say, okay, I have a fight, man, no problem. I have a fight because I, all the time I have an injury. All the time I have a, a small injury or a big injury. But the last one versus Ken Velasquez, I have a big injury in my head, in my balance. I have it. Wow. Big the last one, yes, I know, I know, I know. It's part for forty days. Nobody that know this because I know, I know, I don't say that this. You know, the last time when I fought versus Kevin Velasquez, I have a big injury in my head, man. Almost, I I cancel the fight because what? I have a big injury. A man. concussion you suffered? Yes, concussion in my in my my ear, my ear, my my head. Wow. My ear, and uh, I know it's part for forty days, and uh, almost Rafael say cancel the fight but i say no coach i'm good i'm good and then after then i'm good i just started one week before the fight okay uh, this is okay and uh, i have an injury in my foot this time i say no problem it's okay and i'll kick the right right leg it's okay but the last friday i have a big injury in my back it's like an old injury you know i have my how say vertebra how say vertebrae yeah vertebrae vertebrae yes i have a, the injury about the old one but long time I don't have a problem for this. Long time I don't have a problem because I my my back is more strong. I say okay, no problem. But I feeling very bad, you know. And uh, this is Friday. I try to train again uh, Monday because I rest Sunday, uh, Saturday, Sunday. I rest just a massage, you know, recover because I train a lot, man. I train a lot for this uh, this fight, and uh, I train, but I don't feeling good, man. I have a lot of pain in my back too. You know, yeah, all the time I say the interviews, I say it's very important. Your mind, 100%, your body is the same line. It's very uh, important connection, you know. When I have the injury in my back, my body is not 100%. Like I feel in 70%. Mm. And then my mind, it go up, down too. You know, my mind go like a 6%. I say, I don't have a disbalance. This is very important. You know, I ha this is very important when you have a, everything 100%. Because this level... You have a one step, a man mistake, mini mistake. How say a uh, mistake? Um, you know, it's the, yes. You want to have a uh, one thing wrong? Yes, it's done. Yeah, it's, it's very dangerous. You know, man. This level is very high level, and uh, I talk with you, Rafael, my brother, everybody. I say, man, I not feeling good, man. My mind and my body, I don't know, but and uh, when I say the first time in interview, I say I fight versus Kevlax, but no. Uh, me or teach this is not true i just said when i have an injury my foot i say this you know i have an injury but when i have an injury my back i i don't have a condition for fight nobody this time you know i i don't feel good man you know not just my body but my mind go down too um so you injured your back on monday when you were training right no no i no friday, friday. okay and then it got it, it, you just didn't start you didn't feel good right it just didn't get better yes Yes. Do you need but surgery? This, I, I told you, it's not like a, a new injury. Right. No, this is old one because I have a problem in my vertebra. I have a problem there, but I don't have a problem with this for a long time because my, my back is more strong now. But I feel very bad, you know, because all the time I have a problem with the right side, this uh, my, yeah. my vertebra, this right side all the time. But this time it's the left side. Yeah, I don't feel it because my muscles go very, very tight. I'm very I'm like an old man. I When I stop the training, I feel like a very, I, I'm trying to stand up. Very like a, you know, pain. Uh, it's so hard for breathe. I'm, I'm breathe very hard. I feeling very bad, man. I, I have everything. One day I have a 100% everything, but 
next day I now have nothing. You know, wow. my 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 confidence go down, my body go down too. I say, why am I fighting like a, this level? You know, I have a I fight for uh, 18 years. 18 years I have a, uh, I fight in jiu-jitsu, grappling, MMA, and uh, I never have my 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 life. Uh, I never cancel one fight. Never yeah. my my life. That's this one. Wow. You know, because gave the last cancel force. I have a uh, injury. I understand him, man. He have a he have a surgery today. He have a surgery. You know, it's not like a, this. Is not no. It's not like a joking. You just say, I, I mean, I mean, I have an injury. That's yeah. it. You no, know, you go to the doctor. My my doctor Feather talk with the UFC doctor, and uh, you know, I have a MRI in my back. I have a bit. I have a problem in my back, man. Uh, he say my doctor say Verdun, have a true option. You. It's very important physical therapy every day, or you you have a more muscle in your back, or maybe you have a more injury that maybe surgery too. Okay, but I say, no, no, I, I I promise for you, I have a I, I train more for my, my my back, you know. No surgery needed now, though, right? No, I know. No, he say no, no, okay. not no, <clears throat> but maybe it happen again, again, maybe two more times, maybe have a big problem, have a maybe surgery. He say that. I say no, doctor. I promise for you. I I go the physical therapy. I just go now the physical therapy now. Now just I'm just oh. stop my car for talk oh, with you. Thank you. you. Obrigado. I have, a, I have a eleven. Eleven o'clock. I have a physical therapy now. And I say no, doctor. I promise for you. I recover my back. I put more muscle there. For I don't want a surgery. Man. Your back is very uh, dangerous surgery. You know. So when when the UFC called your manager Ali Abdelaziz to tell him about the news that Cain Velasquez was pulling out. Why didn't you guys then tell the UFC, wait, before you announce this new fight, we're injured too. Let's see how this goes the next day or so. There's a chance this might not happen. Instead of announcing it and then you having to pull out and then everyone criticizing you, you know what I mean? Why, why not tell them before they announce the news on Sunday? I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I just, uh, I just carried the, uh, one, uh, one uh, Ali called me. He said, they said I, I told you, hey, Ken Velasquez have an injury. And I hit no fight again. Might have a, a meal teach. I say the first time when he said that, I just call my my coach. My first thing, you know, my coach Rafael Cordero. He say, okay, no problem. But it's happened. The 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 the, the I, I'm very excited for a, a fight. You know, I I mean, I trained for three months for this man. I spent a lot of money. I invest a lot of money for this. Not just a lot of money, but everything. You know, I mean, I mean, waiting for this. And uh, one day, okay. Next day, you know, good. You know, is I, I feeling very bad uh, injury. You know, yeah. Because I told you, man, when I have an injury, I fight. You know, I have a fight because in the in the moment, you 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 know, I, I like this. This is my life. I I like. I don't go the inside the cage because I, just like a, it's my job. No, no, no. I like when I I'm enjoy. You know, just to watch my fight, man. I go inside the cage. I'm smile because I, I like this moment. This moment for me, is the best moment. Uh, for me, it's the uh, the hard part is that when you train every day, this is hard part. But when you go inside the cage, for me, this is uh, I enjoy this a lot, man. I love this. As you know, I have absolutely no problem with what you did. the The decision to take the Miocic fight, I think you deserved more credit than you received, and have no problem with you pulling out of a heavyweight championship fight if you feel like you're not 100. percent Yet some people were criticizing you. You know this. How was this past yes. week for you? What was it frustrating that you couldn't, that you didn't, you know, you feel like, ah, well, what is going on? Why are people criticizing me? I'm a heavyweight champion. I've never pulled out. What, what, why is this happening? Was it frustrating for you? 
Yes, for sure, for sure, one hundred percent, man. I mean, I'm staying with my family, my my wife, my my daughters in my home. I I, I saw for sure because I I, I love in, uh, internet. I saw social medias. I saw the guys say a lot of things like a bad things. I say why, man? Oh, uh, the fans just stay with you when you're in the top. That's it. Yeah. Or when you don't go down, the guys. I have a lot of things like a good things too. A lot of guys say, uh, Verdun, it's okay. He covered fast, but I I saw a lot of things this. But I know instead the guys say, man, you uh, you have a fear. You fear about the new <laughs> things. I say fear, man. I I fight eight years, fear. I just have a fear. My one my mom, you know, my mom would say something. I I'm a very fear. fear. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm scared. When I'm scared. Right. One of my mom say something. But hey, man, I fear about hey, man. I, and the meal teach. I saw meal teach say something. Ever doing? You don't know the real champion. Blah, blah. I, I stand the Mioti too, man, because he won a promotion himself for fight for the title. So it's normal, you know. I, I saw, I, I say something for him in Twitter. I say for a lot of things for him, but not like a bad things. You sure. Know? He say, you know, the real champ. I say, man, I fight with you I, anytime, no problem. He say, okay. Uh, he say, he say, I, I, I have a this week. I have a fire, fire uh, memory. Yeah, and uh, you go inside, uh, you go in the, in the truck with me, and I give my belt for you. I say, okay, man, okay, like uh, fire, fire belt is okay. It's good for me too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I saw that. I saw it's that. It's okay, tweet. man. It's okay. But I, hey, Ariel, I mean, I'm good now. Just I talk with you because I'm, I feeling good now. But hey, one week before, after then, this uh, happened. I'm very sad, man. You know, I know, like a me. I, I say, why am I sad? Because it's not my fault. I have an injury. That's it, man. Right. You know, I never counsel my in my never counsel one fight in my history. Never. Eighteen years, man. Never, never in my life. But just one thing. But it's good because I, I learn. I learn a lot for uh, everything. You know, for sure, I have a more experience this because I saw when the defense go with you, when yeah. in the top, and when you bad or. Uh, one decision, the guys say a lot of things, you know. I just want to say for this guy, say a lot of things, bad things. Just look yourself, how your life, your life is okay, or you know, have a good job, or what the guy happy is. I don't understand the guys say a lot of things, man. I don't understand them, man. It's crazy, but it's okay, man. Have you personally talked to the UFC? Like, are you guys on on uh, good terms now after all of this? Uh, Dana, Lorenzo, did anyone reach out to you to see how you're doing? No, I don't talk with anybody because uh, the, this part is uh, Ali. You know, my manager Ali did yeah. that. My, yeah. I don't say nothing, just uh, Ali talk with the guys. For sure, the guy is sad, man. This is uh, normal. Uh, I work in UFC, man. Uh, I'm an ambassador, the Latin American ambassador. I'm in working TV, you know this. I'm yeah. a, I'm a commentary. I'm a fighter. I, hey, uh, I I'm stay I staying in Mexico for two months. The fire versus uh, first time versus Mark Hunt. It's okay. Maybe I say hey, I don't want to fight with Mark Hunt. I'm waiting for my uh, Kane Velasquez. I say no, no, no. This is it's very important. I I think for the UFC too because this is a big event. It's the first event in in, in Mexico. The first event. I say no, no, no. This is very important. I'm waiting for this. 100 of my mind, my body. For sure, I'm fight versus uh, Mark Hunt. No problem. But but I think. Uh, this time, I say, man, I don't fight this. It's big problem for UFC. I say, no, no, I'm a, I'm a UFC guy. Okay, I'm a go. I fight, no problem, you know. But this time, I saw, I feel it is it's not good time for a fight, you know. So just to be clear, 
uh, if Kane was still in the fight and you were feeling as bad as you were last Monday, you would have pulled out regardless, right? No, no, no. I just said the, the foot injury. I have a two injuries, yep. okay? The foot injury, I fight versus Miotic and Kane uh, Velasquez, uh, anybody, no problem, okay? I fight for sure, but when I feel in there, uh, my back is hard uh, a lot, you know? I, I feel it's bad injury. It's not, I, I feel it, I don't fight, you no. Know, I don't have a fight. Maybe Cain Velasquez or Miotic is so so hard, you know. I don't have a feeling for good feeling for the fight uh, when I I, I have a this injury, you know, my back injury. What what's the foot injury? I just like when I try to kick, I think I kick like a you know my foot like a this boom. Ah. And I have a two weeks like a very bad. I think it's like a broken, but I I have the extra uh, X. How uh, say X? X-ray. X-ray, yeah, X-ray, yeah. it's not, it's not broken, you know, just like a little bit, not broke, but I don't say, I don't say English, but it's not broken, but they have a fracture, fracture, just a little bit, just a little bit, but uh, you know, it's not, it's nothing, it's like a nothing, but uh, you know, you don't give a one hundred percent. I don't, I don't kick for two weeks, wow. two weeks and zero kick the right side, you know, just left side, but right nothing. Zero. So what are they telling you as far as when you could return, you know, after you get better from these injuries? What are you, what are you looking yes, at? Yes, I, 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 the doctor say, uh, I want to go next week. I go there for a look, uh, look the, the doctor look me again. And uh, I don't know when he say I'm good for, for start the training again because I don't train more. Okay. Zero training. You know, I, I, I want to train because I'm waiting for this fight, you know, but I just waiting for the doctor. The UFC doctor and the, my doctor, Feather, the guys uh, say, Verdun, you ready for train again? I'm ready for fight too because I'm ready for, you know, just like uh, he covered my back and uh, I'm ready for fight. I want to, I, I don't fight for one, almost one year. Yeah. It's, you know, this is, uh, I have a uh, 38 years old now. I feeling good, but uh, I want to fight, you know, my, my plan in my mind, my, my, my mind, I have a maybe two or three fight uh, 2016. Ah. In my mind, you know, now is a uh, maybe two fights, maybe right. two fight this year. Yes. Okay. So, and and what do you want? Because now with Ben Rothwell looking good on on Saturday, and Stipe was promised, and Kane's out there in Overeem, what do you think happens next for you? Hey man, I don't know. Kane Velasquez have a time for a comeback. The maybe he have a surgery today. I think yeah. so today. Yeah. I think one maybe one or two months for recover for start the train again. Yeah, it's so hard to fight the best game Velasquez uh, the next one. Maybe Miotic is waiting. You know he's yeah. uh, there, and uh, Ben Ben is okay. Too. I don't know, man. It's not it's not my decision. It's right. like a UFC decision. In I now have in my life two options. Ever do what what fight you wanna? Uh, never never the guys asking me for me. Ever do you wanna this this? Yeah. <laughs> Verdun, you fight this guy? I say, okay, no problem. All the time, you know? But I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. Who do you think deserves Anybody. it the most? Ah, man, I don't want to promote the guys. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. I don't like I don't like it. It, it is uh, other thing, too. When uh, Dos Santos, uh, Junior Dos Santos, he talked too much about uh, me before the, his fight uh, over him. Yeah. Before he said a lot of things. Ah, blah, blah, Verdun is no real champion, too, blah, blah, blah. He lost. Right. He lost the fight about knockout. Yeah. And uh, Arlovsky. Arlovsky say a lot of things too. Arlovsky. Blah, 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 blah. 
and that he lost too versus Miotic, you know? And then Barnett, George Barnett, just lost uh, yeah. too because he talked too much too and yeah. they lost. Why? I learned this too much uh, long time ago. I learned this before. The guys talk a lot about the belt for promotion, but the guys don't look at the, the next fight. Yeah. But the, the next fight is very important. This is why I don't like this. Say, uh, the guys asking me for me, even after Ken Velasquez, what do you want? I say, I mean, the first thing is this. I have a, this fight force. After then, I, I think after I win, I think the next one. This is very important, you know? Because I, I don't know. The fight is fight, man. Maybe you lose or, or, or you win. That's it. It's very hard. It's like a high level, man. Uh, last thing, were you impressed with Ben, being the jiu-jitsu master that you are, were you impressed with Ben Rothwell's choke, go-go choke against Josh Barnett? That's impressive, right? Were you impressed? Yes, it's, it's okay, it's good, but I don't like his style, you know, and, uh, you know, he don't have a base, he's like a, he's a he don't have a one base, he's like a, maybe in the middle, I don't know, Yeah. I don't, I don't like his style, you know, Interesting. but it's okay, it's very good choke for sure, because Barnett, He's very tough guy too, Barnett. You know, he, and at the first uh, time he he tap in, in, yeah. in, in the cage, you know, uh, it's for sure. It's, it's good, very good guillotine because he heavy, heavy, and uh, Bell is like a very heavy guy, and uh, I think he have a power, a crazy power, you know. <laughs> Amazing. You know, you know like a, a crazy guys have a crazy power too. Yeah. I think this guy have a. Praise power. <laughs> uh, very well said. Uh, again, Fabricio, I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. I hope you get well soon. Sad that you're not you know, able to fight this weekend, but 100% support your decision and, and think that you made the right call. So get well soon and looking forward to seeing you fight sooner rather than later, my friend. No, thank you for you, man. I appreciate And uh, I'm very... I, I like when I, I explain everything now. It's yeah. my first time I'm explaining. Like, thank uh, you. You know... Uh, my, my first time, I, I just playing for, because maybe the guys don't understand. The guys, I, I say something wrong, maybe. I'm very emotional this time. Yeah. And uh, the guys, ah, why we're doing fight versus Kim Velasquez? No, me or teaching, man. I fight anybody, man. No problem. I'm wearing 100% of my mind and my body. It's okay, man. I'm fight. This is my, I love this. This is my job. That's it. Thank you for you, man. Thank you. And good luck in your physical therapy. Appreciate you coming okay. on to uh, explain everything to us. Obrigado. There it is. <laughs> Fabricio Verdum stopping by. Thank you very much to him for coming on to explain his situation. All right. In a minute, we're going to be joined by Artem Lobov. Uh, let me just fix this. What did people tell me? Uh, Artem Lobov in... Uh, going on uh Arm Lobov's going to join us in a matter of moments he is in Las Vegas for the now former UFC 196 the new UFC Fight Night 82 he is fighting Alex White this Saturday night and the Russian Hammer is on the Magic of Skype right now. There he is. Artem, how are you? 
Hey, I'm good. How are you, Ariel? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for the time. Uh, you got to Las Vegas a little early, right? You got there on Saturday or Saturday night? Uh, yes, yeah, Saturday night. Yeah, we got here with John and been here since. I guess that's because of the time difference, right? Usually people get there on Tuesday, but you wanted to get there a little early? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just kind of thought get here, you know, make myself at home and it's all good. I don't mind Vegas. You know, I've lived here half a year last sure. year, so... This is becoming like a, another home for us now. So. so the last few times that you were there, of course, you were part of McGregor Mania. Now it's all about you. Does it feel different? Do you like the fact that you don't have to, you know, because he's fighting in, in a month. Would you have preferred to be on the same card or do you like that you could just focus on yourself here? Yeah, well, the good thing now is that I can walk through the hotel, no problem. I mean, obviously, when he fights, the place <laughs> is filled with crazy Irish fans running around everywhere and you know they're excited and it's great to see but obviously when you're trying to cut weight you know and every trip to check your weight is like you know an hour of uh, stopping and you know hugging and all the drunk people and you know it, it's not the easiest thing to deal with I mean it's okay you get on with it but now it's just walk through no problem no one really here so 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 but you prefer kind of peaking at the same time where you're on his card or do you like that you're on a separate card I think it's it's better now that we're on a separate card because I get to get my fight out of the way yeah. and then I get to help him, you know, 100% with his fight. I don't have to worry about my own weight cut. I don't have to worry about my own fight. I can just uh, help him. Of course, we last saw you, uh, Tough Finale, in mid-December. Were you expecting to get a fight so soon, a month and a half later? Uh, soon? This is like forever for me. Oh, okay. I like to fight often, you know. I'm not like those other guys in the UFC, you know, that uh, want to fight once or twice a year. I want to fight every week. In fact, when I was in the house, you know, that was the best time of my life. You know, four fights in six weeks, that's the way I'd love to have it, you know, train all week and then fight on a Saturday. So uh, as soon as that fight was over, I was hassling the UFC for a fight. I was like, look, I'm ready to go now. I can, you know, I'm healthy. I can go next week, the week after. Whenever you have a fight, I want to I wanna have a fight. So, yeah. I, I really felt for you um, when everything was happening around 194 because obviously you were very disappointed about how the finale fight went against Ryan Hall. But then you had to put a smile on. You were obviously happy for Connor the next night as well. But you could see it's mixed emotions because you had just suffered your own personal setback, yet you're happy for your friend and training partner. How difficult was that 24 hours for you? Uh, to be honest, actually, the fact that Connor had a fight kind of helped me, you know, because mm -hmm. I was like, there's no time to, you know, uh, be upset or, you know, uh, sad, you know. So I had a little quick cry in the shower, and that was it. You know, I was back to being 100%, ready to help Connor get that belt, so. Was the toughest part the fact that you felt like you never got to show anything in the fight? I mean, it, it was a very, it was a, you know, we knew what kind of fight it could be, given your style and his style, but it just felt like you were completely neutralized given his style and that you couldn't really get going. Was that the toughest part? Like, would you have rather lost a complete war where you're bloody and all that stuff rather than a fight like that? 100%. Uh, that, that's exactly how I felt, Ariel. Like, I pride myself on having some of the most exciting fights ever. You know, any of the shows I ever fought, you know, they always wanted to have me back because I always had the fight of the night performance. And, you know, in my head I was imagining this memorable moment you know Forrest Griffin moment you know the of the ultimate fighter and and instead I got uh, the most boring finale on the ultimate fighter ever you know so that was very very frustrating um, but you know fair play to Ryan you know I guess he did what he had to do and you know I'm obviously sad that I didn't get to catch him 
with one of my bombs, but you know, I have to, I have to give him his props. And for the record, as I said on this show, uh, I actually didn't think it was a boring fight. I mean, I, I always kind of found it interesting because I felt like you were one punch away from a knockout. He was one sort of maneuver away from a submission. So I, I like fights like that. I, I think I've seen many, many, many other more boring fights, including tough finale fights. But, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there at this point. How, how is he with you guys? Is he going to come back to the team and train with you? Or now that that happened, is that no more? Yeah. I mean, there, there's no issue on our side. I mean, he's a nice guy. You know, there's nothing bad you can say, uh, you know, about a guy and... He's got very good uh, jiu-jitsu skill. I mean, he'd be more than welcome if he wanted to join. I'd have absolutely no problem with that. So if he wants to join, he's more than welcome. In a way, could that night have been even worse for you had you not trained with him for that, that short period of time in Ireland? Because it did feel like you knew what to expect to a degree. Yet, of course, I mean, he's just so dominant and it's hard to stop it. But did that help you not get finished by him, not get submitted? Um, no, I think what helped me not get submitted is that you know, I don't know if you know this, but I've never tapped in any of the fights. You know, I've been choked out. I had my arm broken, but I just don't tap. So, you know, hmm. I, my my philosophy is you get out of there or else you get choked or, you know, your leg broken. So I just keep fighting the submission until I'm out of it or until I'm I'm unconscious. So right. that, that was, you know, that is always my mentality. So, you know, I just kept fighting. And obviously I train in SBG and, you know, we have a lot of uh, good black belts there. So I, I know really well how to get out of a submission. So I got to show at least that part on the night. How long did it take for you to get over the fight and start thinking about the next one? Well, I, I wanted the next one straight away. You know, you never really get over your loss, you know. I mean, I remember every single loss I've had, you know, and you obviously, you know, you wish you could change something, but you can't. You just have to accept it. You just have to move on. But I never really fully get over the loss. Okay, so you get out. It's always there. Right, and, and, and I'm assuming it gives you motivation and fuels you as well. Um, so you're fighting Alex White. What did you know about him when they offered him to you? Yeah, when they offered, I didn't know. I just said yes. You know, I, I never, that's, <laughs> that's, you know, as far as my conversations with matchmakers go, you know, they send me a name and I just say yes. It doesn't really matter to me. You know, just let me know when and where and I'm going to be there. So uh, that was the same thing here. I just took the fight. I had a little look at him, you know, had a look at his record. Perfect. He's exactly the, the kind of guy that I, I don't like, you know, uh, the guy that I don't feel had much of a challenge in his career, you know, just padded record, you know, got, got into the UFC, had a few fights there, you know, didn't really, uh, didn't manage to pass the challenge and now he's here, you know. So I feel that they probably want him out of the UFC and that's why they're giving him to me. I feel that they probably felt sorry for me after the finale. They know that I can knock guys out. They've seen that on the ultimate fighter. So they, they probably thought, okay, let's let's give Artem a good one now. Let's give him one that where he can show his uh, his true potential. So. so it's interesting that you talk about his record because, as I'm sure you know, people look at your record and say, oh, you know, 11 and 11, he's a 500 fighter. Uh, the only reason why he's in the UFC is because he's Connor's friend. Does that get annoying for you? I see you going going at it with Twitter people sometimes and uh, responding to the quote-unquote trolls. Does this get annoying at all? No, that was just like sometimes I, I reply if I'm really, really bored and I just <laughs> want to have a bit of fun, I reply. But that doesn't bother me at all. 
you know, because let's be honest here, 99% of MMA uh, fans haven't got a clue what's going on. You know, they don't understand the game enough to comment on any of that. You know, they, they don't know how easy it is to have uh, an impressive record. I could have 10 guys in my gym tomorrow, beat them all up, and there's 10 wins for my record. It is, it is that easy. It is that easy to become 10-0. What I did is very, very hard. Not many people do it. In fact, very, very few people do it. I can honestly say that if you look at people's outside of the UFC records, I have the most solid record in the UFC right now. That's a fact. You know, I, I went out there looking for the challenges. When, uh, when the phone rang so many times and they said to me, look, we have this guy that's really good. Nobody wants to fight him in Europe. Will Artem take him? Every time I said yes. You know, no, no one else wants to do it. It's easier now in the UFC. Everyone will fight for fifty thousand dollars. You know, if mm -hmm. you say, if you go on the street now and you ask somebody, "Will you fight for fifty thousand dollars?" Most people will say yes. But I done it when the money was zero and the challenge was hard because that is the way a warrior does it. If you want the challenge, you want to be a true fighter. That's how you do it. In fact, they should print out my record and call it the Fighter Bible, the Warrior Bible. And those, all those guys with pirate records should read it every every day. And then they should post my pictures on their on their wall as I'm the the, the Jesus Christ of MMA. Um, I, I like it. so you don't regret that path because you can you say you could have a, a twenty and two record right now or something like that. You don't regret not having regret, no way. I would be ashamed to pad my record. Do you know how many times I was offered easy fights? A million times. Anytime I was offered, let's say, three or four fights at the same time, I find the hardest guy out of them, and that's the guy I take. I would never, ever pad my record. Never in a million years. I have so much respect for myself, and I pride myself as a true fighter. I would never, ever take an easy fight. Um, and then I'm also curious, speaking of the critics, when you get these uh, comments about your stance and keeping your... Your hands down. I know you get a lot of that as well, as does your coach, John Kavanaugh. Um, well, <laughs> how do you deal with that when you get these, you know, these, these people who have never been in a fight trying to give you, the fighter, tips on how to fight? Well, I mean, I hope, I mean, they don't understand fighting. That's fair enough. But surely they can understand maths. I'm, I hope so, at least. And if they look in my almost 30 real fights, I've never been knocked out. So surely I'm doing something right. That is true. That is a great point as well. Um, by the way, leading up to this fight, did the uh, the master sensei Ido Portal help you prepare, move anything, any of that? I feel like that could be a big thing uh, in your favor going into this one. Was he present at the camp? Uh, well, he was at the last camp. He no. wasn't really uh, around this time, but oh. he gave us some uh, some uh, drills to do, and it was it was good good uh, times with him. You know, he he showed us some. Uh, Cool kind of movement drills. Uh, yeah, it was. I enjoyed it. Well, maybe he was the problem then because you lost that fight. So now that he's not around, maybe you go back to the old winning ways. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get to move much in that <laughs> fight. So, were you doing some of it? Were you actually doing some of it leading up to this one? Like, have you incorporated incorporated it into your training? Come on, Ariel. I've got five years of ballroom dancing. I was <laughs> teaching Ido Portal how to move. Wow. Do you really have five years of ballroom dancing? I do, yeah. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that five about years. you. What, 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 five yeah, years? when I was a kid, like yes. a, when I was a kid, I always wanted to do like fighting sports, but my mom would never let me. She said, like, no, you'll get your nose broken. Actually, funny enough, my nose is the only part of the body that I never broke. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she she had me do ballroom dancing instead, and I spent like five years doing it. 
Till what age? I used to be cool. I used to be surrounded by beautiful women. I wrestle sweaty men now, so I don't know what happened there. <laughs> Till what age did you uh, ballroom dance? Uh, from like 7 to 12, 13. Wow. Is, does that footage exist anywhere? I want to see you on your light on your toes. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a picture of me on the web somewhere back in my ballroom dancing days. So now what does your mom think about your career now? Does she watch? Uh, no, she doesn't really watch fights. Even like when I win, she wouldn't really watch the fight. But uh, she doesn't mind. I mean, Connor was a big part of uh, <laughs> getting sort of accepted as a as a fighter, you know. Because before, like when you told people, they didn't know what the hell is this, and they're like, "What? Are you crazy?" Whereas now, you can just say, "Oh, do you know Connor McGregor?" <laughs> of course you do. Well, I do some, you know, the same thing that he does, and then then it's all good. What is it like uh, these days? I mean, is it? Uh... Is it a little bit distracting at the gym? Are people coming now because of Connor and you? You were on the the reality show and Ashing Daily won in Dublin. Like, are you guys becoming too big for Dublin, or do you still have your own space? When you go to the gym, no one bothers you. Um, well, we train at like nighttime when there's no one in the gym, so okay. uh, it's, it's not too bad. And then we have like a policy in the gym where you're not really supposed to hassle the fighters too much, you know, with pictures and all, because you know everyone understands, you know. We have to train, you know, this is, this is our job. You know, We're not just there to look pretty, you know, we're there to, to do work. So um, it's, it's not bad yet. It's so good. Everyone understands. But you don't have people coming in like just right because it's just right there in the open and people can find where the gym is and yeah. walk right in, right? Yeah, well, we have, uh, we have uh, John's sister, Anne Mulligan, <laughs> you know, uh, guarding the, the gates. Oh, wow. She, she, don't let no, uh, she don't let no one in just like that off the street. Okay, that is good. Uh, yeah, no one wants to, to mess with John's sister, I would imagine. Um, no. I've, ne I've never seen her before, but I hear she's very tough. Yeah, no one messes with him. So do you feel like you need to prove something? Like, is, is it possible, given, you know, regardless of what you were saying, is it possible that you're fighting for a UFC career here? You know, you don't want to lose two in, the row, two in a row in the UFC. Do you feel that, that pressure? Uh not pressure, but that's that's you know that's the way it is. You know, even when people ask you, ask me like, oh, how many fights did they sign you for? I was like, look, this is the way it works in the UFC. You perform good, you know, you you win fights, you're exciting, you stay for as long as you want, mm -hmm. and then if you don't, well, then you go. And that that's how I feel it is now. You know, there's always pressure to perform. You know, you always have to deliver exciting performances. You always have to win the fight. So that's exactly the same situation now. Uh, yeah. I know that you worked very hard to get to the UFC and you went through many regional promotions in, in Europe. Now that you've tasted a little bit of the, you know, the, the glamour life that is the UFC, is that motivation as well to not have to go back to working your way up and you know, fighting in these small shows? Yeah, of course. I mean, my main reasons for being in the UFC is, well, one is that's where they say the most challenges are. So mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons. And the second reason is pretty much the only place where I can just fight and not have to worry about anything else financially. Right. So, you know, I mean, how great would that be if I, if I can just fight? I truly love fighting. I want to do it as often as I can. I don't really want to do anything else if I don't have to. So that would be a great life. So I'm fighting for that life right now. And by the way, I'm curious to get your take on this because you're a veteran. You've had to work very hard to get to this spot, yet you're still kind of at the same spot as a Sage Northcutt. I know you were traveling when he lost, but you probably heard what happened to him. What was your reaction to that? Were you one of those who said, you know, hey, you got what you deserve. You, you tapped in, in half guard via arm triangle. You're getting all this money. You're on national TV. It was too much too soon. Do you feel for the kid? What's your take on it? 
Well, you know, it's not like the guy stole it. You know, he, right. he was given that. You know, he, it's not his fault. You know, he's athletic. It's not his fault. You know, he's good-looking, very marketable. You know, guy. So, I mean, if 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 this was given to me or anyone in the world at nineteen, everyone would take it. Yeah. Everyone would be in that position. So, I mean, he's only nineteen. He's got. He's gonna learn. I'm sure, and he's, you know, he's got a lot of potential. I'm sure. So. It's no big deal, and, and I'm sure even he, I could see his reaction as well. He's probably not too bothered by it because he realizes what the situation is. He's 19, making more money than most people in their lifetime, you know, so the the, the world is his oyster, you know. He's going to have a great career, I'm sure. Where's my man John at? I, I hear him laughing in the background. He's your, here. your bunkmate. Oh, there he is. So we have, we have completely done away with the robes now. No more. Oh, so sweet this time. <laughs> You're trying with the Russian hammer. I like that. You know, going back to the uh, the roots here. No McMansion, no nothing. Let's be in a crappy Vegas hotel. <laughs> uh, uh, Aaron, you should have seen some of the places I was in when I was fighting <laughs> on all those regional promotions in some communist state hotel where there's no hot water, no tea, no nothing. Oh, wow. So, so this, this this is luxury compared to some of the places I fought in. So it's not weird for you to come back to this, uh, even being at the McMansion. This is okay. This is uh, still a palace to you. You're talking to a guy <laughs> born in Soviet Union. That is true. Come on, Ariel. <laughs> this is luxury for me. Well, I uh, I wish you the best. Um, I, I I like the fact that they're putting this on Fight Pass as well. This is going to be on Fight Pass, right? So your European fans could watch live. Yeah, is that yes. accurate? Yep. Yep. Fight pass. Yeah. So, so you're still in fight pass. By the way, were you sweating when all the news came out about 196? It was going to be canceled. Now, were you nervous about it? Not really, because you know I know I'm ready to fight all the time, and I knew that there would be a fight for me somewhere. Okay. So, uh, you know that that didn't bother me. I know UFC have events every every week, so I was sure that you know I was going to get sorted with the fight. Well, so that didn't bother me at all. I look forward to seeing how you rebound uh, from the Ryan Hall fight. Always fun to watch you fight and. Uh, this is, you know, I've never had a chance to see a, uh, an Artem knockout in person. So perhaps, uh, perhaps this is what we'll be seeing on Saturday. I'm sure that's what you're okay, calling I'm for, really right? I'm sure you see one. Okay. <laughs> thank you very much, Artem. Uh, best of luck to you. See you out there. And also, John, thank you very much for the Skype. Appreciate it, as always. Thanks very much, Ariel. Bye-bye. All right, Later, guys. Buddy. Take care. There he is, Artem Bye. Lobov of Team SBG stopping by. Great stuff from him, as always. All right. Um, let us move along. <clears throat> what is going on here? Okay. Uh, let us move along now and uh, welcome in our next guest. Big weekend for him. Just one second. Okay, big weekend for him and his team this past weekend in Newark, New Jersey. Their teammate, Brian Barberina, stepped up on just eight days' notice and defeated Sage Northcutt. A, a great moment for the lab in Arizona. They were all very happy. thought they handled it very well. Benson Henderson was in Brian's corner. Um, a very nice moment afterwards between him and Sage. Uh, we'll ask him about that and a whole lot more right now. He joins us on line number one. Benson, are you there? Hey, what up, Ariel? I'm right here, man. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, appreciate it. It's always, always great to talk to you. Uh, we'll get to Brian's win in a second, but I do believe, I do understand that you have some major news to share with the world. So the floor is yours, my friend. What do you got? Oh, yeah. Just to make it official, man. It's the, the move everyone's been hearing about, uh, been talking about for a while. Uh, first time uh, a former UFC fighter. Going off a, a nice little win streak, heading over to Bellator. 
like to officially announce my moves over to Bellator MMA. Wow. I'm uh, beyond excited for this next phase of my career. It's a big move, like any move when switching employers or jobs after having worked somewhere for such a long time. Um, I got to thank the big man upstairs for putting some amazing people in my life. My wife, you know, first and foremost, of course, a lot of truly smart and insightful people behind the scenes who help make the connections and negotiate this deal to bring it to fruition. I'd be remiss to not thank Dana White and Lorenzo Fertitta for the opportunity they presented to you guys to help me change my life for the better and to be able to provide for my family the things that I didn't have while growing up. You know, for that, I'll always have the utmost appreciation. Thanks also for all the advice you guys gave me, both business-wise and personal, you know. Uh, and last but not least, this is who I think about when I think of the UFC. Uh, so definitely last but not least, this is who I think of. This, this is the UFC to me. Everybody behind the scenes who I personally dealt with every time I, I reported in or I had to go do this or go do that or I had to email them this paperwork, the guys I dealt with, uh, I want to say uh, thanks to all those guys, uh, Mayra, Melissa, Dave, Chris, Nick, Tracy, Joni, Mora, Tony, Heidi, Ryan, James, Dave, Kaya, Bert, Rob, Rudy, Stitch, House, Mike, Susie, Dean, Donna, Ariel, Sean, Joe, Brad, Jasmine, Candace, Michelle, of course, Reed. You know, sorry I can't name everybody. Otherwise, this list would go on forever, you know. Um, but there's so many people behind the scenes at the UFC. They're the ones who make the UFC what it is. They're the ones who allow us fighters to go out there and show out and, and do what it is we love so much. Uh, so thanks to all those guys. Thanks to everybody in the UFC behind the scenes who always, uh, you know, took care of us fighters, took care of me. And to all the fans, thanks for the love and support. Uh, I'll be keep doing the same thing I was doing inside the, the UFC uh, octagon. I'll be doing the same thing inside the Beltor cage, opening my heart and soul and giving everything that I have. Super excited for this next chapter. Um, you know, I'm excited about building new relationships. You know, guys I've heard nothing but great things about, like uh, Scott Coker, Rich Shaw, Mike Hogan, uh, all of the Bellator staff. You know, I've heard uh, good things about those guys. So, you know, this is uh, this is chapter two right here. I'm excited, man. I'm excited, Ariel. Well, uh, again, congratulations, um, or I should say, first off, congratulations. Very classy stuff from you. Uh, this is gigantic news. Um, in the world, because as you laid it out, it's uh, it's very rare for someone with your resume to to make that move. So, I'm curious right off the bat, how difficult of a decision was this for you? Because you were in a good spot in the UFC, you seemed comfortable, you seemed relatively happy. Now you're going to the unknown that that comes with the territory, as you mentioned. How tough was this for you? Um, I, I I'd be lying if I say it wasn't a little bit tough. For sure, it was, it was a little bit tough. Um, coming to make this decision, but ultimately, you know, it's what's best for myself and my family. Um, and Bellator presented one heck of an offer, you know, you couldn't say no to. Uh, so ultimately, they, they made it pretty easy on me. Uh, they opened up the, the red carpet. They, uh, you know, were super nice, you know, just uh, very much taking care of me uh, and, and showed how much they, they wanted the uh, wanted myself on board, wanted myself a part of their team. Uh, so when you get that sort of reception, you know, hard to say no. Did they offer you anything? Did, did, it, did it come down to a serious negotiation? How did it go? Oh, yeah. There, there was um, actually a, a pretty detailed uh, negotiation period. I, I brought in a bunch of good people, you know, some higher-ups who guys perhaps haven't heard of before in, in the mainstream media uh, guys who I, I don't think necessarily want to be named, but higher ups who don't normally deal with, uh, you know, Dana White, Lorenzo, uh, Scott, and, and uh, Mike Kogan on a, on a daily basis, uh, you know, getting big deals done. So I, I, brought, I was lucky enough to, 
have relationships with those people, and I was able to bring them on board my team and, and you know, get a pretty thorough uh, negotiation done. Are you happy with the deal that you got from Bellator? I am ecstatic about this deal from Bellator. Really? It's, uh, it's, not, it's not your normal, typical, the, the thing with this deal, uh, I think it's not your normal, typical, run-of-the-mill, like, you know, you go to whatever organization, like, oh, here you go, here's an offer, this and that, and that's pretty much the offer they have. It's the same offer as everybody else. I, I wanted some different things. I wanted some things that, you know, unheard of in the MMA world, you know, like not just, uh, oh, just a winning show, but, you know, uh, some other uh, clauses, some other details in, in, the, in the contract. And um, Bellator was open to those ideas, and we were able to, to go to go from there. Wow, well, that is exciting. And again, congratulations on that. Can you tell us a little more about what makes this contract unique? I, I don't know. What makes the contract so unique is that it's just, uh, you know, a fighter uh, coming off a, you know, two-fight win streak, going up a weight class, uh, go, leaving the UFC uh, on a, a good positive win streak and, and going over to somewhere else. I think that's the story of, um, of this deal. Uh, to me, I was... That's why that's the only thing I can think of. Like you know, the, the deal, the contract itself is good. You know, uh, nothing but positive for myself. Uh, but just the uh, the storyline behind that for me is just you know, heading over to Bellator. I'm gonna make some big waves. I want to make a you know, a whole whole explosion over there for for Bellator. Yeah. Um, well, I'm curious. Speaking of your debut, will you be debuting as a welterweight or a lightweight? I think we're still in talks for that. I don't, okay. I don't think I'm allowed to oh. to disclose or or whatever you know. But I um I will say I will be fighting at both weight classes. Something okay. that I I wasn't exactly um I'll be I'll be bouncing back and forth. One seventy, one fifty five, one fifty five, one seventy. I, I get to have some fun over there. Uh, I love that. I love being able to have the option to bounce around and not just being stuck here or stuck there. Or you can't do this or you're not allowed to do this. But having the option, the the ability to you know, get creative and, and kind of do what you want to do. I, I love that, man. Uh, Bellator is all about that, making it fun for fighters, doing stuff that, you know, they want to do and that they're interested in doing, knowing that, you know, the fighters are interested in doing it. If it's something the fighters want to do, it'll be more than, of course, uh, interesting for, for fans to watch. But since you've had success in your last couple of fights at 170, do you want to keep that going rather than cutting weight, uh, you know, down to 155? Are you open? Like, do you have a preference? If it was up to you, where you would debut? Um, uh, a preference for me? No, to be honest, I don't really have a preference one way or another. Okay. As long as I get in there, I again, as always, uh, just after great performances, I'm I'm hoping to have nothing but great performances inside that Bellator cage. Uh, and that's all I'm after, whether it's at 170 or whether it's at 155. I'm wondering. You know, it's it's a different time these days, as you know, um, in the in the UFC in particular. Reebok, Usada, did any of those play factor in your decision? <laughs> Usada absolutely played no decision in my factor. I think Usada is a great, great, amazing thing the UFC should have done five, six, seven, eight years ago. Um, the other thing, I might have played <laughs> a little bit of a factor into my decision making. Uh, the Reebok deal that UFC did, um, you know, affected all of the fighters. It affected myself. It was definitely a, a positive. Even the Reebok deal was a positive for some fighters. For some fighters who had a hard time finding coming across sponsors and who had a hard time, you know, um, negotiating in good faith with the uh, sponsors and getting those sponsors to actually 
pay up what they're supposed to pay them. You know, a lot of times you hear these horror stories about fighters not getting paid. You know, uh, Reebok made it good for a lot of fighters, some fighters, um, or a lot of other fighters. It was, you know, not the, not, not the best look for us. Uh, so for me, yeah, I would say it definitely affected my decision in, in the, the grand scheme of things. Obviously, you were there uh, in New Jersey for your teammate, uh, Brian Barberina, and his big win. Again, congratulations to you and the team on that. Uh, and obviously, you knew that this was happening. Was it at all awkward for you to be there? Uh, I, you know, you were at the, the weigh-ins. You, I think, shook hands with Dana White. I mean, what was it like for you now as a almost soon-to-be or maybe officially former UFC fighter to be there with your guy when all this is going on? No, again, like I said, you know, uh, talking about the people behind the scenes at the UFC, uh, Tony, uh, Mayra, uh, Dean, all those guys, you know, like they all heard the rumors as well. They they were they were they knew, you know, there were some talks of this and that and yada yada. But uh, they're all just awesome, amazing people. So they didn't really treat me any different. It was the exact same. Like I like to think they all like me or they have positive opinions of myself and you know, I have definitely have positive opinions of them. They're uh, all around great people. They work their butts off. The guys behind the scenes of the UFC work their butts off. Mm. They bend over backwards, not only for the UFC uh, VPs, the, the UFC, you know, their uh, bosses who yell at them and tell them, you got to do this, you got to do it this way. You can't dress this. You can't say this. You can't post this. Um, but they bend over backwards for us fighters helping us do what, you know, be able to do what we do at our uh, optimal peak levels. You know, if, we, if a fighter says, oh, I need yada, 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 one of the UFC guys, is, they're all over it. They're taking care of it. So, you see, I, I feel like, and I said this before this news uh, obviously came out, but as we were anticipating 2016, free agency in MMA is the story to watch this year because we're finally starting to see fighters uh, play out their contracts and test the market. And that and I, and I think people need to learn this, that it's not uh, an animosity thing or, you know, a, a fighter rebelling or being a Benedict Arnold. We see this in every other sport. This is a common occurrence. And so it's going to be really interesting. And I think that your move now potentially creates a snowball effect. Did you look at it that way? Like, do you think, and, and maybe the way you prefaced it is, is a preview of what your answer is going to be, but do you feel like you know, you're, you're going to create this snowball effect and be a pioneer and other young fighters who are now free agents or soon to be free agents are going to be like, wow, Benson Henderson, former champion WC and UFC now did the job. Now it's okay for me to go. Are you, are you trying to create that kind of movement here so that there's, you know, this open market in our sport? I wouldn't say I'm trying to create uh, the movement. You know, I, I would think that it would be, um, silly for fighters. You know, I, I know us fighters, we're not always, uh, sharpest tools in the shed we're not the brightest bulbs you know but we're, we're relatively smart individuals it would definitely be foolish of uh, any fighter to not at least take a look at his options if um you don't you know take a look at what you could get potentially elsewhere it'd be you know not just not you know maybe not the best idea but for some people maybe that is what they want to do that's, that's the route they choose but you're right though like saying that it's it's new to the mma because mma is such a young sport still uh that's a young sport, but in, you know, the professional uh, soccer or, you know, the world football, you know, you see guys leaving from the English Premier League to go to the MLS, or you see guys leaving MLS to go to the English Premier League. Um, basketball, you see all the time, see it all the time. It's just the same thing. Uh, what people need to understand, and sometimes have a hard time understanding what, you know, me as a fan of, of sports, I had a hard time understanding for a long time, 
is that the um, the business side of sports, like in the long run, sports are amazing. It's you know transcendent stuff, but in the long run, the owners of the teams, the owners of the leagues, uh, the the players themselves, it's, it, it is a business. You have to make the, the best business decisions uh, for yourself, for your family. If you have a chance to make this much money or to take care, be able to take care of your family in this way, and then you lose out on it just because you um, are strong-armed, so to speak, or is looked down upon to uh, look at your options, I'd say look at your options, man. Look at your options. Hmm. Was this a, a two-horse race between the UFC and Bellator, or did you consider any other promotions? Uh, that was what took so long, is because I considered all their all other options. I, I had a nice long, a couple of long uh, conversations with uh, Hume for for One FC. Uh-huh. They presented a very they they presented actually a strong offer. They presented a very strong offer. Number two in the uh, offer sheet was. Um, you could you could say it was one FC. They they, they came wow. with a strong offer. They rolled the red carpet. Also, you know, for these other organizations to be able to have the chance to scoop up a, a free agent like you know, uh, former UFC yada yada whatever you know like, uh, they all jumped at the opportunity. They all came with some strong offers, and um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it was a, just a, a two horse race. Uh, and there were a lot of other uh, organizations that we you know took offers from. It wasn't just. Um, even I took a couple offers from uh, kickboxing wow. positions. I, I was looking to go into just having a, a couple of kickboxing fights. Yeah, the money there wasn't um, wasn't the same for MMA, uh, but I, I was taking offers from everybody. So that's what actually took so long. Um, I know that Bellator might be getting into the kickboxing world soon. Is that on the table for you? That is. There, there's a clause in the Bellator contract for me to be able to. Uh, um, uh, do their their sister organizations, the organizations that they have uh, relationships with. You know? Okay, yeah, yeah. I, most importantly, I wanted to have my for love of the love of the game clause in there, so I'll, I'll be able to continue doing. Um, I was getting not browbeaten, but I was uh, doing ju- juicy tournaments. I love doing juicy tournaments. I love staying busy. I love competing, um, doing uh, marathons and triathlons. Start going, start going, and doing into that. Um, so there, there's a love of the game clause in, in my contract with Bellator that allows me to do uh, juicy tournaments and other things of that nature. You know, so I was pretty excited about that too. So you said that One FC was number two. I'm assuming that uh, Bellator was number one. Were you disappointed that you didn't get a better offer from the UFC? No, I, the UFC came with a strong offer. It was actually uh, it, was, it was a very strong offer from the UFC. It would have made me the, the highest paid uh, lightweight fighter on the roster. Or um, I forgot one of the guys said one one of the, the UFC VPs, not Dana, not Lorenzo, but one of the other uh, VPs of, um, of of the UFC was telling me like their offer, like oh well, hey we gave you this offer, uh, but if you look at it, you know it, it makes you the highest paid lightweight, um, obviously not the not the bill holder, um, or put you at I think it was like top top seven for uh for the for the wealth week something like that i don't remember exactly so i don't want to be quoted on that but it was it was around that range you know you you have to came with a strong offer um but it was, it's the intangibles it, it's the you know sponsorships it, it, there's other things it's not just the the base price the base yeah. price the the winning show money that's the probably the last thing that was not the last thing but one of the lower things i've considered you know because there's a lot of other intangibles that go into a contract uh and Bellator came with a lot of other high intangibles that the UFC just couldn't quite, you know, uh, match. Um, 
are you a fan of like have you been following Bellator you know I don't know uh, Will Brooks their lightweight champion just tweeted to you I'm your Huckleberry which is kind of a nod to something that you like to say to people are you excited about particular matchups is is he at the top of that list what are your your thoughts on the promotion as it stands right now um, my thoughts on the promotion uh, I, I I have watched Bellator uh, they're a great organization they you know been around for a while they do things very well. They, they position themselves. They do things smart, and they position themselves very well uh, to have success in these next couple of years to be able to negotiate and have the, the funds to back it up and be able to offer fighters different things that other other organizations might not be able to match or to offer these fighters, you know. Uh, so I'm really excited about, you know, the opportunities I'm going to have uh, at Bellator and Viacom. Um, and, you know, as far as the... Uh, Weight classes, 55, 70, man, I'm coming to, uh, to make an explosion. I'm, I'm coming to, to make some waves. So 55, 70, anybody there, you guys know me, anybody, anytime, anywhere. And some people just talk that. A lot of people just say, oh, yeah, anytime, anywhere, and yada, yada, yada. And then UFC or somebody will ask them, oh, do you want to fight, you know, two weeks from now? And then what's their answer? Oh, no, I, I can't make weight. Or, oh, no, I can't do this. I can't, I can't yada, yada, yada. No, I'm not like that. Uh, when I say anytime, anywhere, I mean it. Uh, and I'm, I'm coming after belts at, in Bellator, so whoever has the belt at 55 Will Brooks, the, the belt holder at 170, I'm, I'm coming after him too. I'm just, I'm just excited, man. It's, it's like you know, anytime you go somewhere new, different, you have the your period of being slightly nervous and that sort of stuff. But I reach a point where I'm just excited. I'm excited for the opportunities. I'm excited for new, new things. No more rematches. No, no this, no that old stuff. You know, but for me, it's all brand new. It's, it's, it's exciting, man. I'm just, I. Get over how excited I am to enter this chapter. Um, after your win over Masvidal, you said that you intend on retiring in the UFC. Is that still the plan, or has it changed now? Um, it's it's a it's a fluid it's a fluid it's, plan that, okay. that changes and, and goes with the course. Uh, you know, Bellator. I hear great things about Bellator. Um, I imagine I'm not going to have any problems at Bellator, and I won't have any you know fuss. Um, you know, from from their lawyers or anything like that. Uh, so if it comes down to it, and this is the last contract, then this is the last contract, and I'll be retiring from Bellator. If there's one more contract after this, then, you know, that's no problem also. I can do one more contract after this with uh, whoever, you know. But that's a long ways away, you know. That's a long ways away, so we'll see. Okay, so then let me ask you this, because, you know, I pay attention to this stuff. You have long said that you want to retire at 33. You're 32. Is that still the plan? That's the part I'm having a hard time with. That's the part I'm having. There's some other things. There's a lot of other things I wanted to do before um, I got to be too old, so to speak, uh, and I was capped at, by age limit. I'm gonna see if I can still sneak those things in. Um, it'll be. It might be kind of hard for me. Uh, but I was talking. I actually was in conversation with. I was able to get a hold of some of the the higher higher ups uh, of what I want to do and. Um, they are open to. They say they're, they're, they can make special uh, compensations uh, to allowing someone of a higher age than their age limit uh, get in. So, oh, uh, we'll, what are you we'll, referring we'll see, to? We'll what are you referring to? I, I feel a, a strong civic duty. I've always had a, a strong civic sense. I always wanted to, um, uh, you know, g- give up myself to my country. Uh, so whether that's um, you know 
everyone always says, oh, I was going to, I was going to join the army, I was going to join the Marines, I was going to join something. Uh, for myself, I, I, there's a limit to how old you can be when you join uh, the army or the Marines or the Air Force or something like that. Oh, um, but for for myself, I, I wanted to retire at that age because you could still sneak in before uh, the age cap um, and the age limit. Uh, but I was able to talk to some of the, the higher ups, and they said that they do make uh, you know special compensations uh, to let people in who are over the age. You know, um, so if I can do that, I, I, I'll be going past uh, 33. Wow! So you want to join the army? We'll see. We'll see. I, I, I want to say that exactly because okay. I don't want to get all yeah, yeah. in the army or whatever. But I, I feel a strong civic sense. I, wow. I, I've always felt that way. Um, it's something I think every person, whether you're a man or a woman, should should you should give back to your country you should get in, in some way, shape, or form. You know, um, whether it's you know whatever it is you decide, something to do. And, and for me, I, I think I could help a lot with armed with our armed forces. I've uh, was sponsored by a body armor body armor company, so I did a lot of stuff for the for our troops. I love all our soldiers, all our Marines, all, all our uh, seamen, all, all, all of our uh, Marines. Um, and I, I've done a lot of things with the armed forces before, and I, I would like to give back to our country, to my country. By the way, a quick side note. Uh, love the moment after Brian's win on Saturday where you seem to have gone up to uh, Sage. Uh, we have a great photo of that from uh, Esther Lynn. What did you say to Sage in that moment? Uh, well, I know you're just you know, pretty heartbroken at that moment. So a lot of what someone says kind of goes in one year and out the other. And, you know, uh, but I was trying to you know, get his attention, get him to really listen to what I was saying. I was saying, Hey man, sucks. You know, we all lose. It happens to everybody. Um, but use it, use it to help make you a better fighter. Don't, don't let this be a defining moment. Let this be a, a small step to making you better. Help it, let it help you fuel you, to drive you to, to, to do things that you don't want to do. Normally you want to, for boxers, they want to box when they get into MMA and they want to do the ground game. Well, let it fuel you to be your drive to get in, the, to get in there and do jiu-jitsu classes, put a gi on. Uh, for jiu-jitsu guys who get into MMA and they just want to do ground stuff all the time, they want to hit bits, you know, if they lose, you know, let that fuel you, let it, let it fire you up to get in there and, and get in your mid sessions, you know. So I, I was just trying to express to him, I, you know, to bounce back, to stay, stay strong, uh, and to, uh, you know, uh, yeah, just, just, just all that, all of that nature. Right. It, it was kind of hard. It's kind of quick, you know, sure. I'm only able to talk to him for about 30 seconds or so. So I try to, you know, express all that in, in less words. By the way, um, I didn't ask you this before I let you go. When do you want to debut? As soon as possible. I want to debut next weekend if possible. Okay. Where's the next bell store show is next week. I'm ready to go. I, when I say I'm in the gym all the time, I'm always training. I'm not lying. I'm in the gym all the time. I'm always training. I'm always going to be ready. Um, so I, I want to get this, you know, get this show on the road. I want, I want to get in there. I want to put on those belt or gloves. I want to, I want to get in that cage and, and go have a great performance. Well, a fun little moment here. We actually have the president of Bellator MMA, Scott Coker, on the line. Uh, I thought it would be nice if, if he can officially now welcome you to the team. Scott, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Scott, we got Benson on the line as well. How's it going? How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, good, I'm uh, so happy that uh, you signed with us. You're going to be a great asset to our company. And uh, believe me, of, of all the free agents that are out there, I said to my guys, we got to go after uh, Benson. He's our number one target. So welcome aboard and welcome to the family. And uh, we're going to have a lot of good fun together. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. I'm excited for these, for these uh, next couple of years, man. It's going to be great. 
Okay, well, that was a beautiful moment right there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pepper Scott with uh, many more questions now. So, Benson, I will let you go. Can't thank you enough for coming on and talking about this with us first. And most importantly, congratulations to you and your family. Uh, one of my favorites ever to cover. You're a class act, my friend. You deserve it and then some. So I'm really happy for you and this new deal. Good luck in your debut. I'll probably talk to you before then, but good luck and congratulations again, my friend. All right, thanks a lot, Ariel. I appreciate it, buddy. All right, we'll talk to you soon. There he is, the newest member of the Bellator MMA team, Benson Henderson. He has now officially signed with them. He is joining the team sooner rather than later. So who better than Scott Coker to ask when he will be debuting with Bellator? Scott, uh, again, thank you for the time. Congratulations on this news. Um, when will Benson Henderson make his Bellator debut? Yeah, you know what, Ariel, that's uh, still up in the air. But, um, uh, I mean, we we've you know, got the contract in not even 24 hours ago. And, um, you know, we're going to meet with uh, Rich and the guys today. Uh, but I think that uh, you'll see Benson, you know, fighting probably in the next, uh, you know, two months. Uh, that's the kind of our game plan. And who he's fighting and where he's fighting, we, don't, we really don't know yet. But uh, uh, as soon as we know, I'll, I'll let you know first. So, you know, you said something very interesting um, to, to Benson. You said that of all the free agents, he was the one that you really had your eye on. Why him? Why did he intrigue you so much? Boy, I tell you, this guy has done it all. He's fought everybody. Uh, you know, we I, 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 we had some really good lightweights in in strike force with uh, Josh Thompson and Gilbert Melendez, and uh, you know he um, beat both of those guys. Had some epic battles, uh, and he's dug nobody. And I, and I've always liked him because he's such a class act and and uh, such a great guy too. I thought he'd be a great fit for our company. And uh, I told my guys, listen, I really want to get this kid, so let's go out and get him. And, and I'm so glad that we did. How was the process? Uh, you know, considering the fact that you wanted him, was it, was it, you know, was it tense at times? Were you confident from the get-go that there was a good match there? Like, you know, this is a new thing. And you know, I have to say, Scott, I think that this is the the the, the, the most the most significant signing by another promotion, as far as a UFC fighter, you know, going to sign somewhere else since you signed Dan Henderson to Strike Force. Uh, I, I really, I really feel that, and, and you, you could make the case that it's even bigger, considering the fact that he's a you know former UFC champion and whatnot. How was the process for you? Yeah, I mean the process was uh, back and forth, back and forth. I mean, you know, the the fighters have choices now. I mean, they could stay where they're at, or they could come over here. Uh, and um, you know, we we I think we made a compelling argument of why we would be a really good home for him. Um, and um, you know, at the end of the day, he decided to sign with us. And you know, we got some good fights from out there and. Uh, you know, we're excited, but, you know, at the end of the day, Errol, I think this is just a tip of the iceberg. Mm. And, you know, fighters are fighting the contracts out. They want to negotiate. They, uh, they really want to see what their value is. And uh, we're going we're gonna to help them, you know, define what that value is. Uh, because when, it's always healthier uh, for the industry to have more than one bidder. And, you know, I think that we're going to be out there. We're going to bid for the guys that we want. Uh, some of the free agents we won't bid for. And some we will, some we'll get, some we won't. And that's just the nature of this business. And uh, I've always said, look, we're going to build our roster from the ground up. And then we're going to buy the free agents from the top down that we want. And uh, that's, that's really our game plan. And it's worked for me in the past. And, and I'm, I'm bringing that formally here to Bellator. Why do you think that this is a thing now? That, that fighters are starting to you know, want to just play out the contract? They may resign, they may not. Why do you think that this has become a trend all of a sudden? 
Well, you know, I think that, um, you know, they want to see what their value is. And at the end of the day, the fighter, you know, wants to make money and provide for his family and, and have a future. And so uh, I think that, uh, you know, we're definitely a company that can, that can help accomplish those goals. Um, and and they want and you know it's like they want to test it out. They say, okay, well, what are you willing to pay me? Well, what are you willing to pay me? And it's not just about money, but you know a lot of times it is about money. And we don't and we don't have some restrictions that maybe other leagues have. You know, we don't have a uh, you know a, a t-shirt deal that they have to wear, or right. you know we we let them go get their own sponsor so they can make even more money. So um, you know we have a little bit more freedom and we're not as restrictive. And I think that that's attractive to a lot of fighters today. Um. You mentioned maybe this becoming a trend. You're gonna anyone else you could tell us that you're interested? There's a lot of interesting names out there right now. Yeah, there are, and you know we are talking to a lot of a lot of free agents out there, and we will make some offers on some, some we won't. Um, and um, you know it's it's a, it's a constant negotiation process. Yeah. Um, but um, you know I, we made it uh, you know pretty public that we're talking to Vandalay Silva, see what he's got planned for the future, mm-hmm. and um, you know we'll you know we'll, we're talking to all the other names that you know and we know out there that are free agents that uh, that uh, are negotiating with both sides. So, you know, it's good. It's, I, I think that, this, listen, you, like I said, you need to have two, at least two bidders yeah. to keep an industry healthy. And and we're going to do our part. Um, regarding Vanderlei for a second here, isn't that tricky because of his uh, relationship with the Nevada Athletic Commission? Won't that be hard to promote him in America? Oh yeah, I mean he's he's gonna have to clear all that up. Okay, you know that, that's gonna be part of the deal, uh, and um, you know I know that uh, Ryzen wants to sign him as well, mm. uh, and um, you know so there's gonna be uh, a couple of bidders out there for Vanderlei's services, but you know between Ryzen and you know Bellator when he gets cleared in the U.S. to fight, um, you know I think that Vanderlei could probably stay pretty busy as busy as he wants. Uh, I know he's in. Uh, in uh, Brazil right now, but when he comes back, we're definitely going to have a serious conversation. Back to Benson, do you think he'll debut at 155 or 170? That's really going to be up to him, but oh. uh, my, my understanding is that he, he uh, you know, uh, wants to fight at 170. Interesting, because um, as I said to him, Will Brooks, your champion at 155, seems very interested in that fight. Uh, and and if you're asking me, I know you didn't ask me, but I feel like that's the most interesting <laughs> fight right off the bat. Will Brooks, Benson Henderson. Um, it doesn't sound like that's going to be his debut fight, though. Yeah, and, and Ariel, it could be. I mean, really, we, we are, um, you know, like I said, less than 24 hours of time. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I still owe ben, Benson a call uh, just to talk to him about some of these details that you're asking me right now. So this all happened so quickly, and, and uh, he, he wanted to break it on your show. So we said, okay. Uh, let's break it on Ariel. It'd Thank be you. a lot of fun. So yeah, I mean, you know, happy to do it. And he's a great kid. And and uh, after I get after we get off the phone, uh, I'm gonna call him up and and we'll, we're gonna have that conversation about weight class and time frame and venue and you know the whole thing. If you want, we could call him right back and we could do the conversation on the air right now. <laughs> what do you think? You know what? <laughs> I think that that's 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 a private conversation we okay. should probably have. Fair enough. Okay. Well, let me ask you this: uh, Has he warranted? An immediate title shot? Are you? Would you be okay with that, or would you want to build him up a little bit? Oh no! I mean, to me, it's really up to him. I mean, if he wants to go for the the belt, I mean, come on, the, the guy has done it all. Yeah. Uh, how, how could you say he doesn't deserve a shot? I mean, he's already been there and done that. So, to me, we would have no problem doing it. Can you just do me a favor? Can you tell him no more toothpicks while you're fighting? I know it's a commission thing, but it just kind of freaks me out. I'm afraid he's going to puncture, you know, his throat. Or, it's a very dangerous thing. It, he, he's an unbelievable guy for being able to pull this off, but it's not. 
I don't feel like it's very safe. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna tell him, uh, Ben. You know, Benson. Uh, Ariel's really worried, so we, yes. we need to stop this uh, behavior. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, oh, hey, by the way, a uh, great show on, on Friday. Paul Daly wins. He goes, uh, you know, he starts going back and forth with uh, Koscheck, who's in his hometown. It was a very fun scene. Are we going to do that fight next, or do you still want Josh to have another fight before potentially fighting Paul? No, I, you know, I, uh, I got to talk to Josh about that, but uh, our goal really is, you know, to have that fight happen as soon as, as uh, Koscheck's healthy. And so we're hoping sometime in the summertime maybe we'll put those guys together. And, and we've been very public about that, saying that's the fight we really want. That's the fight that the fans want to see. And uh, we're going to put it together at some point in 2016. And, and what about uh, Melvin Gillard's situation? Is he without an opponent for February 19th? Um, you know what? Um, right now he is, but uh, we're going to fix that today. So. Oh, do you want to we'll announce something? something? Uh, well, we, 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 haven't, uh, have, we don't have anything signed. Otherwise, I would you know, break it on your show. But um, I could definitely let you know, uh, you know through uh, text later today or oh. tomorrow. Uh, is, it, uh, is, is it Pitbull? He's been really campaigning for that. He won in a pretty devastating fashion. Does he yeah, have a you shot? Know what, um, you know what? Uh, it's definitely a possibility, but uh, you know, I got I got to sit back and, and talk to the guys here and and, and figure out who is going to be. And uh, but we don't we just don't have anything announced on that fight. Okay. Right is it true that your voice is hoarse because you were cheering on your Golden State Warriors against my New York Knicks last night? <laughs> you know, we had you. We were winning in the first quarter. I don't know if you saw that. Twenty to eighteen. I was watching. I was watching. Um, is that what's going on? Why 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 does your voice sound the way it does? Yeah, you know what? Uh, it's uh, it's, it's a, not a funny story, but when I came back from Japan uh, a month ago, uh, I got a little bit sick. And oh, flu, had pneumonia, the whole thing. So it's been a, a constant battle. But I'm finally through the uh, the back end of this thing, and and the, the only thing lingering is my voice. Sounds like Barry White. Yes, I, li- I actually so, like uh, it. It's very soothing. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel fine. I'm ready to go, man. I'm really excited about 2016. I mean, we got the Hoist Gracie Houston fight against Ken Shamrock, Kimbo Slice. Uh, you know, we got uh, some good things we're going to announce in the summer here coming up. We got San Jose to announce. So uh, we're, we're excited about uh, uh, this year. And, and believe me, the uh, you know, our roster is just going to grow and grow and grow. And by the end of this year, I think we're going to have a really good roster on our hands and uh, and uh, have some big fights ahead of us. Is there any concern, honestly? And I know some people say, uh, I-, I felt like this one, this one's authentic. Is there any concern security-wise about Kimbo and Dada? I had Kimbo on my show. He did not seem like he's a huge fan of the guy, and that's putting it mildly. Like, well, are you guys going to have to beef it up in Houston on oh, fight? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, hey, I learned my lesson on the last one. That's true. And, uh, we're going to keep them at separate hotels, and, uh, you know, we're going to have security uh, for those guys. And it's going to be locked down. I mean, everybody's going to be locked down the minute we get to Houston. So we're not going to take any chances, and, and uh, we're, you know, we're going to let them get in the cage and see who the better man is. Kimbo now holds the record for the, uh, the, the most watched Bellator event on Spike. Will you be disappointed if this one, considering the names, doesn't break it? You know what? I have high hopes, and uh, I think that uh, we can break it. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's going to have to be a situation where we go and we prove ourselves and, and promote this properly. And, and wait till you see the back pieces that, that Spike TV and our digital department have created about Hoist and the past and has, has great footage of his father and, and just, I mean, footage, just amazing footage that I've never seen before. Uh, and it really was a, a historical 
documentary on, on his life and the whole uh, MMA scene back in 93 and then before that his battle with Ken and but but the the footage of his father training and and fighting and grappling I mean it was it was some magic magic footage there and uh, and then we got some great pieces on Kimbo coming out and Tata coming out and you know I, I think by by the time uh, February 19th rolls around this whole country is going to know about the fight and and uh, we're hoping for a big tune-in number. Back to the Benson deal for a second. Um, this may not be a story that comes to mind when people are talking about it, but for you personally, and, and perhaps the team that you brought in, is this a major milestone in the in the sense that like now you got Bellator to the point where they can be in play for a guy like Benson Henderson, not a guy coming off of two, three losses, coming off of wins, former champion in multiple organizations. Like, Do you feel like this is the the snowball effect, this is the beginning of that, this is the feather in your cap that you needed to now go out and tell other people, like, look, Benson's here, this guy jumped, you can jump as well. Do you view it that way? I think that, um, you know, all these free agents that are out there are not just testing free agency, uh, just to test it. I mean, they're, you know, they're, there's other fighters out there that I think that we'll get, and, you know, fighters are going to fight out their contracts because they want to see what they're worth, what their value is. And that's going to go both ways. I mean, Errol, that's not going to just happen, you know, from one league to our league. It's going to happen from our league to other leagues as well. And uh, that's that's really what I think is going to happen. But, um, you know, I mean, Phil Davis, I think, was a great signing. Yep. And, you know, he's had tremendous value in Bellator winning the tournament. Uh, and, you know, Benson. But Benson is probably, you know, the, the most accomplished, um, you know, free agent that we've signed. Uh, but... Um, you know, is it gonna is it gonna have a snowball effect? What it will do is it will have uh, make a situation where we're all gonna have conversations with with these people. And like I said, some fighters we that we really want, we'll go after. Some fighters we might not want, and mm. we might not go after. So uh, it all depends, and it's gonna be on a, on a per case basis. But uh, listen, we're really excited to have this guy uh, on our team, man. He has done it all and fought everybody and. You know, beat my my two guys, which I thought were really really good, and those were close fights. Don't get me wrong, but you know, at the end of the day, he was a champ and he stayed the champ. Um, but uh, to, for him to come over uh, to Bellator, uh, it's gonna. I think it will set a little bit of precedence as, hey, you know, you can go over there and you can have a good home too. It doesn't have to just be the one buyer. We can, now there's two buyers. Right. Um, by the way, Chris Levin, interested in him. Um, you know what? Um, I'm not sure. I think that uh, Rich is talking to his management, but uh, I'm not sure how serious it is right now. Okay. All right. Well, this is a very big day for Bellator. Again, congratulations, Scott. What 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 a 24 hours for you. You beat the best team in the NBA via pretty big margin, the Knicks, and then you signed Benson <laughs> Henderson. Wow. Your luck continues to get better. Well done. Boy, I tell you, I'm <laughs> telling you, man, I'm excited about the Warriors, and I'm excited about Benson Henderson. Yeah, this so. is this is huge. This is a, a very interesting time. Congratulations. I think the world of Benson uh, have enjoyed covering him and watching him fight since the WEC days. One of the very best at 155 and at 170. I think they have him wrong in the rankings, to be honest. That's a different discussion for a different day. Um, but, yeah, this is huge for you guys, and I'm very curious to see where he debuts and which division against two super interesting stuff. So again, thank you for um, you know the platform and for coming here and, and and for talking about it with us first. Congratulations to the whole team and looking forward to what else you have up your sleeve. And oh, by the way, good luck February 19th in Houston as Hoist Gracie and Ken Shamrock meet for the third time and Kimbo Slice meets Data 5000 that taking place at the Toyota Center. Appreciate it, Scott. 
Hey, uh, my pleasure, Earl. Anytime, and I look forward to talking to you soon. All right, there he is, Scott Coker, president of Bellator MMA, stopping by. A big afternoon for them, a big signing. Benson Henderson has officially joined Bellator MMA. Okay, let's move along now. Uh, as we talked earlier in the show, um, big show for the UFC on Saturday. They were in Newark. Of course, big story that night. Brian Barberina defeating Sage Northcutt. First loss for the 19-year-old Super Sage Northcutt. And, and, and how about this? He has agreed to join us right now on the show, showing a, a lot of poise and maturity and uh, appreciate that wholeheartedly. Sage, thank you very much for coming on. How are you doing? Thanks, Mr. Hawani. I'm doing good. Thanks, thanks for having me. Uh, it is a pleasure as always. So what, how can you put the last 36 hours or so into words? What has it been like for you coming off your first pro loss? So, so first off, uh, sorry if my voice sounds a little bit funny. Um, I don't want to make excuses for my poor performance out there, but I actually had strep throat three times in the past four months. And then when I actually got down to New Jersey, um, I had been on multiple different antibiotics. And then in New Jersey, two days before my fight, uh, I had a real bad relapse of the strep throat. And I had to go to the emergency uh, ready clinic where the UFC had to take me. And then Dr. D actually had what the UFC had to write um, a prescription for me for more antibiotics, stuff like that. So really, I, I really couldn't explain how I felt out there. I felt uh, re really horrible. Obviously, don't want to pull out of a fight before um, going out there to actually fight. That's, that's not good. And uh, I just had a hard time breathing out there. I really wasn't myself. So I wasn't the sage that you would normally see out there in the octagon. And uh, even after the first 30 seconds or the minute out there in, in the octagon, I couldn't breathe. It felt like my legs were cement, and um, it just wasn't me out there. So I know that I'll be coming back better than ever, and I'm still healing up from being sick. So uh, in, a, in a few days, I'm going back to the doctor again and trying to heal up from all this. What did that do for your confidence in the fight? Like when you knew then the first 30 seconds, you just weren't yourself, you weren't feeling like yourself. Did that start to play tricks on your mind? No, sir. It really didn't. It didn't play tricks on my mind. It's just that when I was out there, I was, I was really the main thing is I was having a hard time breathing. And also, um, I had to, like even Jeff Novinsky, Mr. Novinsky with USADA, we had to call up him. Uh, my coach had to call up him, uh, even call up the UFC and figure out what kind of medicine I could take. My, my nose and nasal congestion was, that's probably why I sound kind of funny right now, was, was so clogged up and bad that um, I had to take uh, a bunch of different medicines and different things that I, I could underneath the USADA rules. Uh, to try to be able to breathe out there. And also my ears, I, it sounds crazy, but I really couldn't hear anything. And uh, I, I know, I don't know if, if you've had strep throat or anybody that you know has ever had strep throat, but anybody that I know that's ever had strep throat, they really can't even get out of bed to go to work. So mm. uh, it's, it's definitely, it was definitely pretty tough, but, but uh, I'll be back better for sure. How close were you to actually pulling out of the fight? So once, so once actually... My original opponent broke his foot uh, to fight at 155. We got a fight scheduled at 170. So I was already sick at the time. And I figured, and so did my coaches, they also figured that uh, going down, cutting the weight, it'd probably be best even to fight at 170. That's okay because uh, having my body drained with the energy of having strep throat, having a relapse with that coming, that being able to eat more food and not have to cut weight would actually help out my body to recover a little bit more. And uh, hopefully I would feel better out there. So... Um, obviously having, having the, the relapse of the strep throat and everything just two days before the fight, going to the emergency care clinic with the UFC, it, it wasn't what we thought, I guess, uh, trying to recover is the same. So 
um, I, I guess I'm, I'm starting to get better now and, and heal up, but I know uh, next, next fight around I'll be good. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, but in hindsight, you wish you didn't take the fight. Right. Well, the thing, yes, sir. Well, the thing is, you you obviously with, with the UFC having a fight like that and and having it rescheduled last minute thing, moving up a weight class, you, you're there to fight. So that's that's my job. You don't want to pull out of the fight when you have so many people and fans and and friends, family, everybody, and especially the UFC being my job. To be able to go out there and fight for him, you don't want to pull out and have have that ruin the outcome of the event for for the amount of people that came to support you and and uh, and and watch you and support you and everything. So that once have been good, and obviously you never want to pull out of that. At least I want it. So uh, go out there fighting. I, I thought I could do it, and um, I, I wish I wasn't sick out there. I know I would have been in a different stage, different me out there fighting. I know you're only 19, but you've been competing for a very long time. A lot of people might not recognize that. Have you ever felt this way in a fight before where you were battling just a normal thing like breathing? No, no, sir. I've never, I've never felt like that ever before. It felt like really, believe it or not, not just the breathing. It felt like I couldn't concentrate. Uh, I wasn't my normal self. It was, I was having a real hard time hearing. Like you can imagine like if you fly on an airplane and your ears get stopped up where, where they feel like they have to pop. It felt like that, but times two or three where... You, I couldn't even hear my coaches, what they were saying. Mm. Even like uh, face-to-face, I couldn't hear anything. Coming up the week for the UFC, um, I always try to keep a smile on my face and act like there was nothing going on so that way no one would know that I was even sick or anything like that. Uh, the UFC knew I was sick because I had to go to the emergency clinic. But um, really, I, I was just laying down in bed and uh, sleeping the whole time coming up to the event besides uh, going out and doing the media that I got to do and had to do for the UFC. Yeah. Um, what were you like in the locker room? Like in the minutes and hours before the fight, were you were you freaking out? You're always very calm, cool, and collected, but were you kind of freaking out given the state of your health? Yes, sir. It was a little it was a little weird to tell you the truth. And and back there, I actually had to do. I had this uh, nose spray. I've never even used nose spray before. A special kind of nose spray. I'd take these um, decongestant pill things. They didn't they didn't actually really work. Uh, so my my voice sounds funny. Couldn't really breathe and talk and. I was having to spray this stuff in my nose to be able to try to breathe better before going out to the event. And uh, that, that didn't really seem to work, but I tried it. And um, so that was, that was a little weird. I, I just didn't feel like myself even coming into the event. And uh, I, I'll always try to keep a smile on my face and, and of course, have fun out there. But um, I wasn't myself. So, of course, the, the, the finish has been much talked about because we don't often see finishes like that where the, uh, the, the fighter who's in control is applying the submission, is in either half guard or full guard, not quite side control when trying to score the arm triangle. Why did you, there have been a lot of theories thrown out. You panicked, you've never been in that position before, but let's hear it from you. Why did you tap when you did? What did it feel like? So, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> so, uh, <coughs> so really, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't the fact about panicking. I, I felt very calm. The thing was... Uh, having having the hard time breathing and having a mouthpiece in when it really felt like my energy level, it wasn't the same energy level like I would even have. I fought as a 155er, really. Weighing 170 is what I weighed when I walked out there, actually. Just like I weighed in at the weigh-ins, I got to eat breakfast coming into the weigh-ins and stuff. I'd already cut my weight pretty much coming into the event, so uh, I, I didn't have my same strength as I had. But when when he was on top of me, 
um, it was have, having his shoulder, I guess, in my throat for that. I know it wasn't like a traditional head and arm choke from side control. We get to really apply the same kind of pressure. But just being able to have your jaw shut and then trying to breathe through your nose for this time during the fight, I, I was so congested, to tell you the truth, that I couldn't even breathe, much less standing up, really. That's why I wasn't able to move the same, wasn't able to keep the same. What, what I wanted to do and what I thought in my head about doing out there I wasn't able to actually act it out and do it because my body wasn't able to keep up. And it was like your heart was racing because um, it's like breathing through a straw. That's what, it, that's what it really felt like. So down there in that position, even though it may not have been the best lock in the hold, it, it, I, I was having such a hard time breathing that it was just as tight as what it might have been if, if I wasn't um, – was in that kind of position if, if I was was sick, if that makes sense. Yeah, sick. absolutely. It makes all the absolutely. sense in the world. And I'm so happy that you were able to explain that. Um, after the fight, you know, he celebrated and he celebrated the way he did. And, um, you know, in the moment, before you get to the back and everything, how were you dealing with it? Like right then and there, did it sink in right away that you had just lost? I know you felt horrible about it all, but how did you deal with it internally? Yes, sir. I felt like I let everybody down. And, and let the UFC down, let myself down for obviously doing that. I know I went up a weight class to fight, and uh, I went in there sick, which which many people did not know um, about me going in there and coming over strep throat and then relapsing. Uh, just it was a hard time even me getting out of the bed doing the media, coming up to the event and like the open workout and stuff like that. Always trying to keep a smile on my face. So I went out there and fought, but um, afterwards I, I know I have a lot to learn. So. Uh, I'm definitely going to learn a lot, and I'm excited to go to Canada and go train at uh, TriStar and learn as much as I possibly can. So I'm definitely going to be learning a lot and be the best that you've ever seen me for the next fight. Will you be going there full-time now? Yes, sir. I'll be, I'll be up there um, full-time. It looks like I have I do have schoolwork still because I'm, I'm still at Texas A&M, so I'm trying to figure out how exactly that's going to work, uh, if I need to come back to do certain tests and quizzes or how that's going to work out. So... I'm still playing out that schedule, but uh, yes, sir, I'll be training at, at TriStar. Now, have you paid attention to social media at all? Have you seen the reaction, good or bad, to this loss? Uh, a little bit, yes, sir. Not too much. I made a post on my, my yeah. Instagram and my Twitter. <coughs> my, in, my Instagram and my Twitter, and I got to see um, a lot of positive things that were uplifting, so uh, that's that's always nice to hear. Um, some Some comments from... The champion at 155, uh, Rafael Sanchos, uh, Don Cerrone is awesome. Just so many different people that that are so so uh, nice and and sticking up for me. So uh, it really means a lot. I know you're sticking up for me, and just all the support it means a lot. Yeah, and and you talked about this actually on Thursday, where you said uh, you you if you see something negative, you just move on to the next one. But as you may have heard, a lot of the fans we we know that they're going to be this way. They're like this all the time. It's, it's a part of the game. But a lot of your fellow fighters sort of celebrating the loss and the way in which you lost. Did that, did that hurt you at all? Were, were you, like, did, does it break your heart? Does it bother you? How do you react to something like that? Because it's a, it's a rare thing to see. Right, yes, sir. And no, no one ever likes that, that someone celebrating that someone lost. So <clears throat> obviously, um, sorry, it was hot, kind of hard for me no, to talk. It's obviously, fine. obviously, um, it's it's not something that you want to hear. You don't want to listen to. But I mean, it's a sport of MMA, so I understand it. I mean, they're they're talking this or that or whatever. It might not be positive about me, but there's people that are lifting me up and saying great things. So um, I, I'm focused on those things, mm-hmm. and 
I know that I have a ton of heart out there. So if, if people think that I, I, I was tapping out there because um, I, I panicked or I pressured, it wasn't that. It was the fact that I was extremely sick. I actually stepped up to fight up a whole weight class, uh, stepped up to fight while I was actually sick, which people didn't know. And uh, coming over, strep throat, actually have a strep throat in the octagon. So just, just all those different things, barely being able to breathe, Felt like you're breathing through a straw, not be able to breathe really on the ground at all, like like taking like a little whizzing breaths, if that makes sense. Just I had to step up so much to be able to do that. And and um for for the next fights to come, hopefully I'm hopefully I'm completely well, I'm not gonna be sick, and I'm gonna be training smart and, and learning as much as I possibly can. Why do you think that at this point you're such a polarizing figure in the sport? Like it's amazing. You you were you were the top story coming out of that, and, and you're so young and you're new to the game. And like I said, you don't often see the fighters react this way. Why, why do you think that is? Do you think it is because of your, your, uh, your purse, how much you make? Is it another reason? Why do you think that is? Oh, thank you. Um, I think it could be because I'm very young, like you said. I'm very young. I do have a lot to learn. So um, now I'm going to get to go up to TriStar and learn as much as I possibly can. And I think that that has a big fact of, of everything. Just being 19 years old and being able to be in the UFC um, – has a has a big effect on every single thing that, that people look at. So I'm honored and blessed to be even be in the UFC, much less be 19 years old in the UFC, knowing that I have so much time to learn, so much technique to learn, everything all around and make myself better. I think I think that has to do with what people were looking at or picking at. Uh, I know not that long ago you asked Benson Henderson if you can use if you if he gave you permission to use his walkout song, which was a respectful thing to do. And then there's a great picture as we talked about with Benson taken by our Esther Lynn, where he's, it's clear that he's telling you something after the fight. And his guy beat you, so he's obviously happy, but I thought it was really cool of him to come up to you. Do you remember what he said to you at all, and did you appreciate the fact that he did so? Oh, absolutely. Yes, sir. So I appreciate the fact that he, let, he lets me use the song Awesome God because I'm a Christian, and um, just being able to use a song, that, that means a lot to me, having a song of worship just going out there in the octagon. So that's very nice of him him coming up to me afterwards and, and tell me to, to keep my head up, pretty much what all the great fighters have been saying and the UFC that have been supporting me and backing me up and, and um, all the people that have, have their support behind me. So that was very nice of him to say, and, uh, and he's, just, he's just a very, very nice guy, and, and I'm very thankful that he was saying something nice and positive for me and lifting me up. Did you get a chance to talk to Dana White after the fight? And if so, what did he say to you? I got to see Mr. White after the fight, just only for only for a second, and um, and so obviously I, I was telling him how um, telling everybody I, I felt like I let everybody down, let the UFC down, and um, Mr. White along with the UFC, Mr. Davinsky, uh, Doctor D, who's the doctor for the UFC, they all know that how sick I was coming into the fight. They had a relapse, and uh, my coaches actually had to contact Mr. White. Uh, speaking about Mr. White, I had to contact him a few days before the fight take me to the emergency ready clinic for uh, my strep throat and, and the relapse and everything, my, my congestion, every single thing. So uh, he knows all about that. And, and um, he, was just, he was obviously happy that I was, I was stepping up to take the fight at a higher weight class and, and staying in it while I'm sick. So um, that was very nice of him. Uh, I see you got some stitches, right? Oh, just a little tiny one. Is that the first time in your fighting career that you've had stitches? Yes, yes, sir. Wow. First time. Well, how do you feel but about it? It's okay. It's, it's very little. Okay. Hopefully, it never happens again. Um, is, by the way, 
a few people said this to me over the weekend, but I wanted to ask you because there's always these crazy rumors about you for whatever reason. Do you spar leading up to fights, or is it true that you don't? No, no, sir. Normally, um, I do not spar leading up to fights, and it's just kind of protecting yourself from injuries. And for the moment being, um, I haven't been at a gym where there is any sparring uh, or any, any MMA fighters actually at the gym. So the gym that I'm specifically at is um, a Gracie Baja gym. So um, in the future, obviously, I, I will, I, I can spar and train my technique in different ways. Go up to TriStar, getting different training partners, um, different UFC fighters that are in there, very well talented, and um, getting to learn the most I can out of everything. Okay. Um, What's necessary. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know you said you wanted to, to, to fight three times, get another fight in before your 20th birthday, but that was a pretty amazing stretch for you. Only in the UFC, like October, December, January. In hindsight, again, do you feel like you put too much on your plate? No, sir. I don't feel like I put too much on my plate. The only thing is I may, may have overrun my body um, just a little bit, maybe with the training. To be able to come down, I never get sick normally, but coming down with a sickness like this, yeah. uh, like I mentioned, <clears throat> having having strep throat uh, three times in four months, that that's pretty crazy. And uh, I wish I could show you a picture on my phone of my my tonsils, or I, I don't know if you can really see my tonsils, but they have it's pretty gross. They have all this this white stuff that's folding like the little pockets of my tonsils. So I might actually have to go get my tonsils removed. Oh wow, which is pretty crazy. Oh. I'm gonna have to see how that works exactly because. Uh, that's, that's really bad. So, um, just, just coming off of that, if, if I would have been well, I would have been a different stage out there. And then obviously, um, I just going up weight class. That's obviously different. Um, if, if I would have fought at 155, that could have been better. And, uh, just being, being a totally different, uh, me out there being my normal self. Have you thought about when you'd like to return? If you'd like to take an extended break now, what are you thinking? Well, I am, I am going to let this heal up yep. just, for, just for a little bit until it's strong. And um, I haven't really thought about it uh, uh, too much. I would like to go down to TriStar uh, coming up soon, so probably within the next month, and then be able to figure out what I'm going to do with school at the same time. So try at TriStar long enough, get my technique, add the things I need to correct, make myself better in every way that's necessary, and then uh, get a fight in when I can. All right. Well, you know, I feel bad making you talk so much, especially with your throat bothering you. So I will let you go, Sage. But again, kudos to you, my friend. A lot of people wouldn't come on and talk about a loss less than 48 hours later, especially with the pressure that you were under. I, I really respect you and I really respect the way you handle yourself. You're, 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 you're an unbelievable young man and you're a role model for a lot of people out there. And it's great that you don't let the negativity affect you. So keep your chin up, my man. Nothing to be ashamed of. You've done a heck of a lot at 19 years old. And I'm looking forward to seeing you grow into a tremendous fighter, especially going to a great team like that. Not, again, don't, don't worry about it. Just let it go. Move on. And you don't need me to tell you that because you're doing a great job of dealing with it all. Appreciate you coming on. Get well soon. And we'll talk to you very soon. Looking forward to it as always. Thanks, Mr. Hawani. I appreciate it. You're the Thank man. You. There he is. Sage Northcutt stopping by. Like I said, uh, very rare to see someone, anyone, after a loss come on, uh, let alone 48 hours later. Uh, kudos to him. He is... Uh, he is a special kind of kid, and uh, he is just a kid, and it's important to remember that. And it, it, it's not that he has to play by, by, by different rules because he's 19, but that's just, you know, especially now I'm 33 years old, looking at a 19-year-old kid who's 
you know, put himself out there and he's taken all the good, so the bad comes with it as well. There is absolutely no doubt about that. But at the end of the day, he is just 19 years old. And I, I, I don't think it's, it's bad to say that 19-year-olds, you know, should be subjected to the different set of rules. It's, it's a freaking kid. Took a fight on short notice on Fox. He was sick. Come on. The, I understand the vitriol from the fans. I understand you see a guy who's getting all this attention. He looks the way he does. He's so positive. Where's, where, where's, where's, the, where's the catch? Where's the negativity? Where is it? It's nowhere to be found. It's a crazy. In our world, we think, there's got to be a catch. There's got to be a catch. So he loses, and he loses in that fashion. I understand the fans reacting. The ones that disappoint me, and they have every right. You have every right to react the way you want to react. You could be jealous. It's fine. No one's telling you not. But the ones that disappointed me were the fellow fighters. You should be happy, especially if you're in his division. You should be happy that he's making the money that he's making. You should be happy that he's getting the attention that he's getting. A rising tide lifts all boats. Fighters need to stop thinking, yeah, certain guys are going to get pushed more. That's the fight game. And if you don't like it, give us a reason to push you more. Give us a reason to talk about you more. Give the UFC a reason to get behind you more. It's on you. It's not just about wins or losses. It's not. If you thought that that was the case by now, you are, you are sorely mistaken and someone needs to wisen you up. You're seeing it more and more, guys getting out there and doing what they need to do to get fans emotionally invested in them. Sage, without even trying, did that. And yeah, he had a lot of help from the UFC. Absolutely. A ton of help from the UFC and Dana White in particular. But look, the, the numbers speak for themselves. People are interested in him for whatever reason. Maybe because he appears to be superhuman. I don't know. And maybe that was the appeal of him losing the way he did. But for his fellow fighters to celebrate his demise, that to me was surprising. And maybe it shouldn't have been. Everyone's trying. There are guys who have been fighting for 10 years dreaming about that spot, dreaming about that money. I think it's a bad look to openly celebrate that. Do whatever you got to do in the privacy of your home with your family and friends. But to openly celebrate someone's misstep is just a bad look. And, and to me... It, it, uh, it speaks more about you. It's not a good look. I thought he handled that very well. We'll talk about that a little more in the show. For now, let us go to our last guest of the day. You know, it's interesting. We go from uh, the, the super young Sage Northcutt to a man who just called it quits. Nothing to be ashamed of as well. A great run in the UFC, as I said. One of my favorites to watch throughout the years. And uh, a man who is uh, waking up rather early to join us, which I appreciate greatly. It is around 7.09 a.m. Tuesday morning in Sydney, Australia. The hippo, Anthony Parosh, is joining us right now. Anthony, how are you? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Looking forward to talking to you. So uh, you announced uh, last Sunday, not this past Sunday, last Sunday, that at 43 years young, you have decided to call it quits, that you're walking away from the sport of MMA. Why did you decide to do that now? Um... You know, you know, I'm, like like you said, you know, I'm 43 years old, and the, you know, the last, you know, even last two, two, three years, you know, a lot of interviewers ask me, you know, when are you going to retire? When are you going to retire? And I always tell them, you know, when one of three things happen, you know, if if my body can't keep up with the training, you know, I'll, I'll give it away. If I if I lose more than I win, you know, I'll I'll, I'll give it away. And and the last one is, you know, if I if I don't want it. Uh, Mentally, if I don't, you know, 100% want it, you know, I'll give it away. And 
this last this last camp in particular was was really hard uh, mentally and just kept second guessing myself during training. You know, do I want it? Do I want? Do I? Yes, I do. No, I don't. And and I knew after I lost the last one that that, that uh, it was time to give it away. And that was uh, UFC 193 not that long ago against John Volante. Did you know in the cage yes. that mid morning afternoon? It was on you know it was on a Sunday, of course. Did you know right then and there that that was it for you? Um, yeah, I, halfway halfway through the the camp, you know, about about a month before, I said, you know, I, I was telling myself. Oh, did we lose you, Anthony? Are you there? Oh, okay. Let's shut that off. That's a nice sound. Um, all right, we'll get Anthony back on. Coming off that loss to John Volante, that's his second loss in the row in the UFC, second loss in a row, I should say, in the UFC. That was a first-round KO against John Volante at 256. Part of that, he had lost to Sean O'Connell. But this is a guy who uh, some of you may forget, six years ago, almost exactly six years ago, at UFC 110, he took a fight on very short notice, just days' notice, against Mirko Krokop. That was uh, in Sydney, uh, and, and he took that fight at heavyweight. And uh, Mirko was scheduled to be on the card. His opponent pulled out, and Anthony Parosh, veteran of the sport at that time, he was ten and five, got the call and stepped up on super short notice. And, and who would have thought that it would have, you know, it would have continued for him in the UFC for six years? Probably his, he had some great ones. He had that 14-second uh, knockout. Remember that one against Vinny Magalhaes, the one in which Vinny said that he would retire if he, uh, if he lost. Of course, he didn't stick to that one. But we do have him on the phone right now. Anthony, you there? Yes. Okay. That, no problem. Um, so, so I was asking, I think that's when we, we cut off. Did you know right then in yep. the cage that that was it for you? Uh, yeah, yeah, about about halfway through that camp, like a month before the fight, you know, I told I told myself, you know, mentally this was going to be my last match, and you know, I was, I was you know willing myself through that camp. Like, come on, Anthony, this is it. This is the last fight, last camp. You know, let's do this, and and you know, I was hoping to go out on the win, but you know, it it, it wasn't wasn't to be. Oh wow! So even even if you would have won, you would have uh, you would have called it quits. Uh, yes, yes. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was too much, uh, like that, the last camp was too much, uh, like like I said before, second-guessing myself. And in all my other fights, like it, it's either been, yep, I want this, I want this bad, and, you know, I'm you know, I'm, I'm here to win. And, but this last camp was just different for some reason, and I, hate, I hated feeling like that. And um, I was desperately trying to, you know, think back to my past fights and past wins and, and how I felt like that, I was trying to, you know, duplicate it and force, almost force it. But um, it just seems to make it worse sometimes. So I knew about about a month before, like during the camp, that, that I was gonna I was going to retire, win, win or lose. In a sense, is that is that almost the, uh, you know, the 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 final confirmation? Like I, I've often thought, once a fighter commits to retiring, when you when you have that foot out the door. It's often in your best interest to not fight. Like, like in a way, did you almost think like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't fight this fight if I don't have it. If if I'm even doubting myself for a second, that is a problem. Did you consider pulling out of that fight? Uh, no, because because uh, not 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 um, when I say doubt, it was like um, like I, I want I I wanted to do the fight, 
I wanted to beat my last fight, but but uh, I was more thinking doubting about the future. That's kind of what I was what I was thinking about: is doubting my longevity, you know, in in the in the UFC and the sports. And I knew that, you know, I don't I, I hate doing things half-assed. So I wanted to make this a great show and and best I could. And and um, and you know, I went went in for the win, but just you know, didn't get it. You've been fighting since 2003. Did you think that you would last this long? Like, like, did you feel like you were playing with the house's money here, fighting at 43 years old? Uh, no, actually, I, I thought um, I thought I was going to retire like about um, around 40 ish. But um, but you know, back around that time, I had you know had a couple of couple of good wins in, in a row around that time. So I thought, no, I'm not going. I feel great and winning and going to keep going. So I never really had a time. Um, you know how you know I wasn't going to say I was going to retire after ten years or twelve years or fifteen years. It was just you know when it was time, it was time. Like in terms of you know for me, it was just mentally and um, and uh, it was time time to retire. So 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 I've never actually had a chance to talk to you about this, but I love the story about you and UFC sure. one ten. Um, yeah, sure. Do you recall that? Like like how how many days was it? Was it was it less than a week? Was it two weeks? Well, how many? How uh, many? How many days out was it? It was two two days. Two days. Two days. I remember. Yeah, I was sta- I was standing in the lobby. It was it was the day before weigh-in, and uh, I was just hanging out in the lobby with the other fighters. And Joe Silver comes up to me and he looks me up and down. He goes, "Do you want to fight?" I went, "Yes, of course." He goes, "Do you want to fight Krokop?" I go, "No." <laughs> and uh, actually, I, I turned him I turned him down because. Uh, on that card, there were three Croatian fighters. My, I was born in Australia, but my parents are Croatian. So all the Croatian fighters, they're actually training at my gym. So so uh, Igor Pokajac, Relic, and Krokop, they all trained at my gym in those few days before UFC 110. And then, um, so I didn't want to fight Krokop. I, I can, you know, consider him, you know, a friend. But then um, about two hours later, I was, I was just sitting around, I thought, what have I done? I've just turned down fighting on the first UFC show in Australia on pay-per-view in front of a sellout crowd against one of the top fighters in the world. And uh, straight away, I called Joe Silver back up said, um, you know, let's do it. I want, I want to do it. Wow. And, um, and that's how it happened. Did you think it was going to be one and done? Or did they tell you, you take this, you know, this, uh, this fight and... All right, and then and then you can you know get a full camp under like how how are you taking it? Um, I I asked I asked uh, Joe Silver the same thing, and you know before before the Krokop fight, he he made a four four fight uh, contract, and oh, wow. um, so so the Krokop fight was the first one, and then the second one, you know, UFC stuck to their word, and they gave me uh, you know a full camp for my next fight in the light heavyweight division. And it was against another newbie, uh, Tom Blackledge, like you know myself, and and um, so you know UFC stuck to their word, and and I'm sure if I lost that fight, I would have been from the UFC, but you know I won that one and, and the next couple as well. Yeah, and you went on a very nice uh, streak. The thing that I always enjoyed about watching you fight is that typically, except for I think one time, uh, the Bader fight, um, yeah. your, your fights ended. There, there was a finish either way whether it was a submission. But yeah. some of them, I mean, let's be honest, some of them were like these spectacular finishes, whether it was you knocking out Vinny Magalhães or unfortunately you were on the receiving end. 
Were, were, were yeah. there any health concerns at any point, especially after the last two, the last two knockouts, about, you know, given your age and everything, just taking blows like that to the head? Um, no, like, uh, I guess that's, a, you know, everyone, other people too, like have said, you know, I'm glad you're retiring now. Like, you know, don't don't end up like, uh, you know, other fighters out there. And, you know, I've, I've been retiring with all my, with all my wits and healthy, healthy as, you know, physically, mentally and emotionally. And so it's, uh, so it's good. Yeah. So, so to answer your question, no, I didn't, I didn't have any, um, there, there wasn't any bad concussions after the, the day after the fight. It was just, uh, as like a, like a normal day. So, you know, I was, I was lucky there. But you, you didn't ever worry about that? Uh, no, 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 not really. Um, you just kind of take it um, as part of the sport, and you you, you do as um, as safe, you know. Being forty three, like my whole camp is you know scheduled, so you know I have to. I want to make sure I know what I'm doing every day, twice you know twice a day, what I'm doing during the classes and training, and and you don't spar with them. I'm not getting punched in the head every day for eight weeks in a right. camp. You know, you spar once a week, twice a week. And um, you know, and and with you know full padded protection as well. So so you know, I make sure I take care of myself during training because that's really actually where, where the damage is done. Because a fight sometimes can last a short time or a long time, and you know, I think the most most damage is done at training. Looking back now, what's your favorite moment in the UFC? I, I have my personal favorite. What's yours? Uh. Well, I guess the, the the first one is always, uh, you know, you, you know, the, the, my first win in the UFC. It was just, it was just such a, it was, it was like a long time coming, and and um, it was just such a massive relief and you know elation for me, my first win in the UFC. But you know, I think a close second is uh, in, uh, me knocking out Vinny. <laughs> was it because of all the stuff he was saying saying leading up to the fight? Yeah, well, that, that that's uh, de- it. Definitely, uh, you know, made the victory a lot sweeter. And you know, back then, you know, I was telling about you know how I felt mentally this last match. But you know, a couple, a few years ago, and I was just 100 percent focused. You know, there's there's no chance of me in my mind losing that match. And and um, for him to say all that sort of thing, and you know, just really made the win a lot sweeter. Are you a little annoyed that he never stuck to his end of the deal and actually retired? Well, <laughs> well, I, I knew, um, uh, you know, unfortunately people, you know, run off their, run, run their mouth off a lot, you know, before thinking about what they're going to say. And, um, but at least, at least the good thing was, you know, he was, he was released from the UFC. So, uh, for <laughs> me, it's, it's, it's a win in my books. Fair enough. Uh, so what does Anthony Proch do now? What are your plans? Uh, now you know I'm you know I'm fortunate enough I have I have two really big MMA BJJ schools here in Sydney, and um, I have about 650 students at the moment you know across both schools. I've got a you know good team of about 20 MMA fighters you know oh. half pro half amateur. So I'm ho- I'm hoping that uh, my my next goal my next plan you know I've had 12 fights in the UFC but. I'm hoping to be in the UFC another 25, 30 times. I'm hoping you see me a, a lot more of me, but this time, you know, walking behind my students. Sure. Uh, any names we should look out for? Uh, not yet. Not yet. They're all they're all kind of newbies. So you know, you know, I think you'll probably see me in about you know 
three to five years' time, I think, because they're all still around that five, you know, five six match mark. Okay. And um, you know, they're they're getting to the top of the Australian division, and maybe just need a couple of you know international matches and get get to about ten matches. So, so no 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 one no one no one yet. What's what's the name? Is it, I hope it's called Team Hippo. Oh, my nickname? No, no, the the name of the team. Oh, uh, no, no, my school's called SPMA, SPMA, Sinisic Parosh Martial Arts. Oh, so with Elvis Sinisic? Yes. Oh, that's great. Uh, he does some TV work, I know, in Australia. Are you interested in that as well with uh, Fox Sports, I believe? No, I, 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 I have other goals okay. uh, myself. Um and uh, a few, a few other little side projects, but you know, all, all martial arts related. But no, I'm not, I'm not interested in that sort of thing. Fair enough. All right. Uh, well, again, it was uh, a lot of fun to watch you compete, Anthony, and I, and I like the fact that you're now, you know, going to uh, develop the team and hope to get in the UFC. By the way, um, last quick thing, and and especially when it comes to being sure. a gym owner. And I know Sydney and Melbourne are are two very different places, and they're you know not that close, but. Did yep. the boom of UFC 193 and what happened with Ronda Rousey and all that, have you noticed a trickle-down effect there? Like, I know the UFC has been successful in Australia. And in fact, they're going to Brisbane not that long from now. But have you noticed an yep. increase in interest? Did it go down? What's your take on it, where it stands right now? Um, well, yeah, every every UFC, you always get, you know, that big spike. You know, yeah. For example, you know, the, the, the UFC was in November. So, you know, that Monday after or that week after, you know, I get a big spike in uh, calls and emails saying, yeah, I want to be, uh, you know, like, you know, Ronda Rousey or Holly Holm or, 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 you know, one of the other fighters. And, um, but definitely, um, it, it's, it's slowly coming up, but after every UFC, you always get a, a little increase, but, and then after every UFC, like we always get more, more, more. So for example, you know, last year only getting, a few, but now it's really uh, a, a big increase. All right. Uh, Anthony, wish you the best. Thank you so much for the time. Congratulations on, on a great career. I, I appreciate you waking up early. Uh, a lot of fun no, to watch you fight. Thank you so much. I sincerely always enjoyed it because you, you, you always knew you were going to get something memorable. Um, and, uh, you know, you always brought in it's, it's, it's always fun to watch some of the older fighters, you know, keep going and fighting hard and whatnot. So I always appreciated your, your efforts inside the cage. And uh, wish you the best with the new team. Thank you very much. Thank you, and thanks very much for the support. All right, there he is, Anthony Proch, stopping by from Sydney early there. And so I appreciate him waking up as well and uh, jumping on the phone with us. All right, that does it for um, today's set of interviews. I do understand that there have been a slew of technical difficulties. So if you happen to be watching this live, I don't know if you can even watch it live at this point. I apologize for that. Typically when this sort of thing happens, uh, the, the replay is all well and good. And we'll have that full thing up for you. The timing, I believe, was somewhat unfortunate given the fact that we had the big Benson news. But hey, these things are going to happen when you're uh, streaming on the internet. We thank those who have been patient. We give a big... One finger salute to those who have not been so patient. Mr. New York, are you there? I'm here. Uh, I don't feel like doing the y'all must have forgot. Okay. Because then I'm just going to pepper you guys with questions and it's just going to make me more upset. Sure. I'd rather go to the questions. Um, so let's go to some questions. Let's do it. 
Actually, let's take one beat for one second, and then okay. we'll go to the questions. Pause now for station identification. Correct. All right, we're back. <laughs> it would be nice if we had an actual sponsor there. That would have been perfect. Actually get paid. We are sponsored by nobody. One day. Okay, here we go. First question. Question of the day, obviously. What are your thoughts on Benson Henderson oh, okay. going to Bellator MMA? We've seen some fighters make the move to Bellator after the UFC tenures, but do you think this will result in other top-ranked fighters making the same move? I think this is the biggest signing as far as a UFC fighter going to a different organization since Dan Henderson signed with the UFC. Now, I'm not sure if it's bigger. It's really not that important. But the Dan Henderson one was very big, if you recall, because he had just knocked out Michael Bisping at UFC 100. So that was a massive stage. He was a coach on the Ultimate Fighter. And, of course, pride legend, all that stuff. Had a nice run in the UFC as well, although he didn't become UFC champion. This is pretty damn big because here you have a guy in his prime who's a former WEC champion, who's a former UFC champion, who always rates well, whether it's on Fox or FS1. Um, he's winning. In my opinion, he had the submission of the year last year, as you heard a couple of weeks ago when we gave out our awards. Uh, had a solid win over Masvidal. I think this is a fantastic signing by Bellator. You know, Bellator has been criticized for signing older guys, for being a little too pro wrestling-y, all that stuff. You can't say that about this one. There's nothing you could say about this one, in my opinion, negative, right? I mean, this is a guy who's a tremendous mixed martial artist, who's in his prime, who's winning, who's a former champion, who should be, you know, you can make a case that he should be on a longer winning streak because some people thought he deserved to beat Donald Cerrone. He's had some other victories like the Josh Thompson fight, like the Gilbert Melendez fight where maybe he got the favorable call. But I've always enjoyed watching him fight, and now all of a sudden, I mean, Benson Henderson, Benson Henderson versus Will Brooks, to me, is the fight to make. Now, if they don't want to go into that right away because they have some options at 155, fine. If they want him to fight for the 170 belt first and then go down to 155 to make that one bigger and better, I get that. But just his presence is big for the promotion alone. And now you talk about the trickle-down effect. And now you talk about the snowball effect. And you talk about some other free agents being out there. And free agents, by the way, who are represented by the same people. He's represented by first-round management, Malky Kawa and those guys. Aljamain Sterling falls under that umbrella. Alistair Overeem falls under that umbrella. And then there are other guys out there as well. There's Mitrione out there. And, you know, there, there are more to come. Trust me, there are more to come. So now I feel like, okay, now fighters who are going to say, all right, well, let me see what's out there. And, and again, I hope people recognize that it's not a... It's not an adversarial thing. I don't think it's an ungrateful thing. I mean, look at the way he said he did it perfectly. It's just about getting what you're worth. Dana White talks about it all the time, the, the small window. You got to get what you, what you can get, especially if you're a parent, if you have kids, if you have a wife, you have a husband. You got to get what you can get. And uh, Benson played it perfectly. He rolled the dice. He went into this as a free agent, won big, and now hopefully he gets to uh, reap the rewards. So... There's, there's not that much that you can hate about this. You know, you could say that, you know, it kind of sucks. We don't get to see him fight some of the top guys at 170. I was curious to see how far he goes at, one, at 170 in the UFC, at 155 as well, now that there's a new landscape, um, without a doubt. But I think competition is great for everyone. Like I said before, rising tide lifts all boats. This is good for the sport in general, not just for Bellator. I think it's good for everyone. It's healthy. So, yeah, this is, this is big. This is big. What do you think about it? Did I lose you? Nope, we're here. All right. 
What do you think about it? And obviously, the implications are huge. Um, it, you know, it evens the uh, the playing field a little bit. Um, I don't think it completely evens it. I mean, but it's it's a it, step it's in a that step direction. In, yeah, yeah, it's a step in the direction to even the playing field. Let me ask you this question: Are you surprised he signed with Bellator? Without, I mean, without knowing, you know, the financial implications of it, it's hard to, you know, weigh in there just because um, his value may have been too great. Basically, the numbers may have worked out that his value to Bellator made sense and his value to the UFC didn't. Um, So without knowing, you know, hard numbers, it it, would be impossible for me to kind of say I'm surprised or not surprised. Um, Without knowing numbers, everything, you know, everything financial aside, I would have thought that the UFC would have kept him. but again, his you know his value is determined by the market, and if Bellator is willing to to pay more than the UFC is for him, then we got what we saw. It's just to me, it's just so interesting now this whole free agency free agency thing. Like in the past, we could talk about all we want, but if there's no other option, then it just doesn't exist. And so him making that leap, for better or worse, it just opens that door a little bigger. You know, now it's like ooh, you know, if you're if you're you know, let's say Mitrione, you know, you're like, oh, this is interesting. You know what I mean? So it just, well, it now creates this back and forth to where we really didn't have it once Strike Force went away. And that was a pretty good stretch. That's five years ago now. Yeah, I mean, we had this this kind of momentum building toward this, and now the, the flag has been officially planted where it felt like, okay, well, all these people were kind of using um, Bellator as leverage that the fact that there's other organizations out there. And now we finally have a, a very, you know, big name still in the sport, um, decide that this is the, the spot for him. And yeah. it, it's, it's a watershed moment. I never, I never felt like Bellator was a serious option in the Bjorn era. Like I know this is probably their biggest one since Roger Huerta, but he, he was coming off losses and his stock, not a former champion, all that. But to me, what was hurting Bellator was the tournaments. Like a guy like Benson Henderson, is he really going to say, all right, I'm going to go in this tournament and have to fight four times before getting a title shot? Like that felt like they reached a point where they were holding themselves back with the whole tournament thing. Uh, now that they don't have that anymore and it's Coker and it's different, I think they've really opened themselves up. And you can maybe throw it the other way with the Reebok deal. Is the Reebok deal going to hurt the UFC in the long run? We'll find out. Before we get to our next question, we have some guests in the studio. Oh, yes. Why don't we... Uh... Maybe they're to blame for our technical issues. I don't, are they? Technical. Usually, yes. I see the laugh. I hear the <laughs> laugh. So there he is. Wait, you couldn't see him before? I No, I didn't see him at all. Oh, there's Esther. I can't really see my monitor. Hey, Here guys. Are you, do you have headphones on? They do. Oh, yeah. you guys can weigh in as well. What do you think about uh, Ben? I want I want to hear Casey weigh in. Casey. He's always very opinionated. This, this is the mic. What do you think? Wait, 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 let me introduce who you are because there are some people. Is this your podcast? This is my podcast. Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. It, it's 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 fitting that the one time you actually show up, you know, the whole thing goes to shit. So I don't know if you you brought this. They don't. This doesn't happen at SureDog. It's usually flawless at SureDog. Um, but this is Casey, our videographer, does a tremendous job, who's been with me for many years. And there's Esther, all elbows, the more famous one of the couple. Let's be honest. Hello, guys. How are you? I actually wanted you in studio, but you turned me down. What? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, this, yeah, the stream issues. Sure, right. Yeah, yeah you can. We have a level of. You yeah. can, yeah, you can subject yourself to this. Okay, what do you think? Benson Henderson, Beltor, your thoughts? Yes. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> That's your thought? <laughs> every, every, everything this man said. <laughs> it's a good thing you're in back of the camera. <laughs> we set that up and uh, we got, yeah. Esther, what do you think? I think it's awesome. Uh, 
anything for more leverage towards the fighters. Right. All right. That's that. You did get that great photo of Benson talking to Sage. <laughs> did you know that was coming? Uh, no, I didn't. But uh, when I saw it, I just hoped that uh, they were doing it long enough that I could focus. Right, yeah. Most impressive in that photo is Benson's man bun, by far. It was a, it was a nice man bun. I will say this. Um, I didn't want to bring it up to ruin the good vibes, but it did seem like he sort of outscooped us, didn't yeah. it? Did he go on his website beforehand? He did. What the hell is that all about? I've been sitting on this damn thing for like a week. He, uh, yeah, he I couldn't wait. News on, um, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Couldn't wait to, uh, yeah. to break it. All right. All Just, right, let's get to our next one. Yes, yes. Riveting. Heavy, heavyweight title shot. Who do you <laughs> think should get the next heavyweight title shot with Ben and Stipe both coming off impressive wins? Feels like someone's unfortunately not going to get that shot. So who is going to get it? I feel for Stipe because he was, he was offered it. It was dangled in front of him. He agreed to it on short notice. I feel for him. I do think if we're, if we're looking at resumes and streaks and what has been accomplished, I side a little more towards Ben, but it's kind of like six and one, half dozen the other. I, I just think like submitting Barnett the way he did, submitting Mitrione the way he did, that is just, I mean, it's just a, especially the Barnett one. That to me is, unbelie- is mind-blowing. I echo everything Dave Meltzer said. But Stipe's coming off a great knockout. And uh, he's looked good as of late. I, I think he actually deserved to beat JDS, even though it's officially a loss. So if they want to go that route, I'm cool with it. If they want to go to the Ben route, I'm cool with it. The only problem is the Kane factor. I just think that they're going to have a hard time selling that rematch. And I think that, unfortunately for him, he doesn't lose, but he's kind of losing here because he got injured. I think he's going to have to go just one step down, not back, you know, bottom of the ladder. One step down, get a win, build himself up. Hopefully the surgery goes well and it's you know not too serious and all that. I don't love the problem with all this. I don't love Kane versus Rothwell. What? You like that? Yeah, it's awesome. Why is that awesome? We saw it already, and I know it's a different time, different time. But I don't know. I want to see something fresh. No, that was a long time ago. So you want like he's new. He dances better. He's sexier. Yeah, like it. It's good. He was a much different fighter. I think that was his UFC debut, UFC 104 in 2009. The our first time, yep, debut. that was our debut. That was our, that was our first date. That was our first date, Los Angeles, 2009. That was so long ago that the prelims, remember Chael Sonnen fought Yushin Okami on the untelevised prelims. wasn't even on Spike TV. That, was, that card was the birth of the Chael Sonnen persona. By the way, congratulations to him for uh, the Celebrity Apprentice deal. But that, that, that's how long ago that was. And that was only six years ago, maybe five and a half. Isn't that crazy that there were untelevised prelims? No Facebook, no MySpace, no Fight Pass, no Friendster, nothing. Untelevised. Chael Sonnen, Yushin Okami, arguably top five middleweights fighting, and they were not shown anywhere. Crazy. Unbelievable. Anyway, all right, so what do you think, Nier Crick? Yeah, I think that, uh, man, it's, it's tough because I feel like Stipe struck first, um, which I think oftentimes matters a little bit more. Even though if I was grading them, I'd say uh, beating Josh Barnett that way is probably more impressive. And overall, having the win over Overeem matters as well. Um, but I think Stipe's timing is, is going to work in his favor. I think do, being first is, uh, is going to be the difference here. And, and, you know, the other thing is I often felt like leading up to this fight, no one was talking about Rothwell. Like he needed to do something like this to nudge his way into the conversation. It felt like people forgot about the Overeem fight, maybe because Overeem just had a nice win over JDS. I don't know. It was a weird thing. Like He wasn't getting any of that attention. It, it had been a while since he fought. It was June. He was supposed to fight in October, if you recall. 
Rothwell Stipe is a fun fight. Sure. Right? Imagine I mean, if they did that one. If 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 his back, if Verdum's back is bad, I wouldn't hate that one either. But then you also kind of cancel one out, so I don't know. Maybe that, that's that the way to go. That was already booked, right? That was already booked for Dublin. Just, just grab the contract, change the date, and it's done. Yeah. They're both healthy. That's how it works, right? I, that is how it works. That's right. I, I think Stipe, yeah, I don't know. I, feel, I, I definitely feel bad for Stipe. It's, 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 as we talked about last week, it's a tough spot to be in, but it's actually a good thing. Like The UFC's heavyweight division is probably more interesting now than it's been in a long time. The one thing that they have to work on is just getting people to care. Like that Nate Diaz, Anthony Pettis fight that they talked about, it was a real thing to, to save the day for the now former 196. I think that would have sold more pay-per-views than Verdun versus Stipe. And that feels like a problem when you're talking about the heavyweight title. Hold on one second. Our next question. Uh, John Jones at heavyweight. Recently, John Jones tweeted that he likely has three fights left at uh, light heavyweight by this time next year when he moves up. This is assuming that he you know, sticks by that. Um, will there be anyone left at heavyweight to even make it exciting for him considering the age and steady decline of the current heavyweight crop? Seems like heavyweight marketability is at an all-time low. <laughs> um... I, I don't know. I, I don't like this whole three fight. It's sort of like Benson with his, like, I'm going to retire at 33 thing. You know what I mean? Like sure. three, there's a lot of st- stuff that can happen in three fights. I do think he's going to fight a heavyweight at some point. And I do think it was a real thing that he was, you know, he was throwing his name in the hat. I do think he threw out some, to me, it was a great PR move on his part. The guy who killed 151 is now offering to save 196. And he's getting back in the good graces of the UFC. I thought it was brilliant. And it's something that he didn't do in the past. And there was a very small chance of it happening. I mean, why in the world would Sipe Miocic versus John Jones be for a title? It didn't really make a lot of sense. But I love the fact that he did it. It was great. And I would love to see that fight, too, from a, from a Styles matchup. I think it's a great fight as well. But I want to see the DC fight. And I want to see the Rumble fight. So I'm not quite ready to commit to John Jones at heavyweight. I think there is something to the idea that by the time he does go up to heavyweight, we're going to be looking at a different crop. But maybe it'll be better. Maybe there'll be some you know, new heavyweight that's on the horizon that we're not ready for. Or maybe Ben Rothwell will be like reigning champion by that point. We don't know how it's going to look. What about this press release from Bellator? Bellator's new signing broke the internet this morning. Oh, boy. They said uh, oh boy. the signing was scheduled to be announced today on the MMA Hour, which is hosted by six-time MMA Journalist of the Year. Maybe they know something that I don't because yeah, that- it's only five-time. <laughs> Uh, Ariel Hawani, when news of the signing broke earlier than anticipated, the flood of traffic to the website may have been responsible for technical difficulties causing some of the interview to not stream live. However, the interview will be available in its entirety this afternoon at MMAfight.com. Wow, we've come a long way from them calling me a UFC reporter, and uh, I'm going to go with that excuse. I'm going to say that Benson broke the internet. Hey, you're off the hook. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Um... I mean, I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> um, well, congratulations! Actually, congratulations on your sixth award. Thank um, you. Hopefully, the MMA Hour wins. Um, hopefully, they're disregarding this. And uh, yeah, great, uh, great uh, technical advice from our friend Joe Daddy in Houston. What's he saying? He's telling Casey, who is a videographer and should know better, to get closer to the mic. A, and, he's right. You know. And also, happy birthday! I forgot about this. Your birthday. Right? Yes. Today? Yes. Is today your birthday? Yes, it is, sir. Wow. Me, me and um, Ronda Rousey, apparently. Wow. UFC didn't tweet that out, just the Ronda part, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, That's I've fine. been at more UFCs than Ronda has, but whatever. That is true. That's another good point. Uh, how old are we today? 
Wow, that is unbelievable. Well, happy birthday. Thanks, sir. All right, our next question. Esther, did you have anything on that one? No. Great. Happy birthday? <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, happy birthday? Our next one. Sage Northcutt haters. I think everybody will have something to say on this. What did you make of the majority of fighters uh, celebrating the loss of Sage Northcutt on Twitter? I thought it was pretty weak, considering the guy is 19 and jumped on a deal that anyone would have in the UFC. This is our... Uh, the happy birthday song. Yes, Strawberry Shortcake, Dutch. You know this video has 46,000 views, yeah, in large part due to Alistair Overeem. For sure, it's half of that. Well, if you go to the comments on YouTube, it's all about Overeem. How Um, many of them mentioned the iPad, though? uh, Do any of them? I haven't looked in a while. Oh, haha, funny that Overeem gets this video from Mariawani. Okay, Um, I'm just going to keep it in the background. (laughs) Well, I sort of weighed in on this, so I want to hear your take, and then I'll react to your take. Because you you think that I'm, I'm actually being a little bit of a white knight, as you put it. I do. Yes, please. I think that the idea that because he's 19, he should get some kind of pass is, is kind of soft. Fair um, enough. Him being 19 or 38, like our friend Casey yeah. over here celebrating his <laughs> birthday, um, shouldn't be relevant whether we're going to critique him. Now, if you're going to revel and celebrate um, his, his, his loss as if uh, you know, it, it somehow benefits your life and that that's you know, something that impacted you, that that's where I you know take exception and that's where I draw the line. I wouldn't personally do it, um, but the idea that because he's young and because he's respectful and because he's 19 that we shouldn't be able to criticize him. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I don't know if that's the the real story here. I, I think it's part of the story. And I well, I mean, it seems like you when you I tweeted it, to you it. said it. This guy's mentioning it in the question. The idea that he's 19 to me is irrelevant. Really? Because, he, yeah, of course. Completely you don't think, irrelevant. You don't think a 19-year-old should be held to different standards than, I say, don't. a 30-year-old? If he wants to be in the UFC and held to the same standard as the other fighters, then... But not all fighters are at the same spot. They may be, you know, they may be all in the main card or whatever, right. but they're not... You He's know, at like, an elevated spot, you higher can... than those that are below him and, and have the gripe with him and are the ones that are assaulting him on Twitter. And so you, you have no problem with, with fellow fighters celebrating his loss no, openly I, like mocking him and saying oh like like a tj grant or uh you see this is this is this is what was most interesting about the whole situation the fighters who are comfortable in their place in the ufc who have either made a great living who are champions who are former champions who are at the top if you notice they were all offering words of advice they're comfortable with who they are the 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 youngsters the guys in the middle the ones who are trying to make a name for themselves they're all they're the ones who are jealous and, and I understand why they're jealous, and they have every right to be jealous. That's fine. But to go out publicly and laugh at him and mock him, that to me is just a bad look. Like, that's not, you're not going to gain any new fans by doing that. It's just, what, what, what is that? Who celebrates a peer's demise, misstep? Is, it's just such a bad look. Is, is the instance of this unprecedented? I don't think so. I think there have been many times where fighters have lost in any certain way and... and this one and, was up there. I mean, the Ronda one. On. Ronda, but Ronda famously. one's different because Ronda, she she rubbed people the wrong way. There's no doubt about that, and she didn't handle it well, in my opinion. She didn't show up on anyone's show 24 hours, 48 hours later. Okay, he what did this guy do? He shakes everyone's hand. He calls everyone Mister or Mrs. He doesn't say a bad word about a single person. The worst thing that he said was maybe you know you should have something else to offer. That's that's the big thing that everyone's jumping on. That of all things, come on. I just think that I get why I get it. I'm not naive to it, but here's a kid 
who was given a great opportunity, who has a different kind of look, who has a different kind of fighting style, who is just kind of different personality, is a breath of fresh air, and you're going to laugh at him for losing? I, I just think it, it, you're the one who ends up losing in that Can case. I interrupt here? Please. I think that the uh, animosity is misdirected. I really think it should be, if you're upset about how much you're getting paid or any of or how Sage is getting paid, you should be upset with the UFC for underpaying all the other fighters, not overpaying Sage. Right. And, and maybe, that's, maybe that's the underlying sentiment here. Maybe that's where everyone's coming from. And I think, like, let's not be naive. It's probably that. They just don't want to go, ha-ha, Dana White, because he's the one signing his checks or her checks. You know what I mean? Well, so so it's, easier to, it's easier to make fun of Sage in this case than to make fun of your employer. I get that. While we're pointing out you know, how people went out of their way to make fun of him, we're also pointing out how there's some, or we're not pointing out, but it's very evident how so many people are going out of their way to defend him. Um, it's a beautiful thing. I love it. But Thankfully, it's, finally, it's, it's the give and take of it. His, his, you know, he came into the UFC at a different point than a lot of other fighters have been afforded the opportunity, and that comes with uh, increased scrutiny. Now, the idea, uh, as I said, you know, celebrating somebody's loss—that's not my forte that's you know that's not something i necessarily think is the way to handle it um but you have to accept that as a reality of his position in the ufc currently and here's what's super interesting to me because of his age i think it compelled the Cerrone's and the weidmans of the world to say what they said about him and what i mean by that is when fabricio verdum at 38 years old pulled out of his fight you didn't see that many champions saying you know what i would have done the same thing right you saw people actually saying he saw like no one's coming to his defense. That's MMA. No one sticks up for anyone. And so I, I feel like because these guys are so much older, because he is 19, some people with a good heart said, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to uplift him. I'm going to try to send some good vibes his way. Do you get what I'm saying? So the 19 I, thing actually plays a big factor in all I of this. I do. And I think let's say he loses again and Ronda loses again. I think Ronda will take a lot more heat. I think it'll be she's done. She was never any good. And I think Sage will be, well, this one's over with. He's 19. Um, he'll get it back. And I think part of that is also his personality. The fact that he's not kind of hiding from um, the defeat. Now, I don't know how I feel about him saying I don't want to make excuses and then going into being ill. Certainly, I take him at his word, and I believe he was uh, sick. It seems that there's so many people that can corroborate this story, um, but I don't know if that's what I would have led with after saying I don't want to, you know, make excuses. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a tough spot. If you're going to do the interview, it's going to come out, you know. So, obviously, I'm happy he came on the show. I'm happy he talked to us. It's, I'm asking him these questions. It's not like he put out a press release or something sure. and did it himself. He actually sent me the picture of his lungs. And I'm no doctor, but it does seem like a lot of gross things in this picture. <laughs> um, so I, I, I know what people are going to say, and I see it already. Like, oh, look at you making excuses, making excuses. No, I, I'm the one who ans- asked him these questions. I'm the one who asked him to come on the show. He didn't ask me to come on the show. He didn't come out with this first. Um, and that's the fight game. Things are going to happen. And, and oh, by the way, it wasn't like he said I had a bad foot, right? Yeah. What he was dealing with actually now makes the, the submission, you know, now makes all the sense of the world. Sure, it directly affects, it directly affects the that. thing that he was talking about. So I don't know. The whole thing just made me feel a little weird. And, and yeah, maybe I'm guilty. Of, like I see this kid who has been nice to everyone and it just kind of felt a little, I don't know, it felt a little icky because of his age. I don't know what it is. But yeah, I think Esther is 100% right. It's, it's people who are upset at the UFC for pushing him. But again... All we talk about is they don't create enough stars. They don't push people. So they're finally pushing people. And then people are rooting for the people that they're pushing to lose. You know what I mean? 
that seems counterproductive in yep. this whole thing. Like, if there are stars like Sage and Paige, and Ron, if those stars exist, that's good for MMA. We need those stars to make the sport bigger. So stop rooting for them to fail. Just hope that you could come along for the ride and then beat them and get bigger yourself. Don't root for them to lose to other people on a random Saturday night. It doesn't affect you at all. All those people don't gain a single thing by the fact that Sage lost. Yeah, it doesn't help. Doesn't help. Last word from the birthday boy? Yes. Oh, I got nothing. Got nothing. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 Go ahead. I didn't watch any of this age thing because the stream was down. So. Oh. Oh, come on. Eye <laughs> uh, pokes. Once again, eye pokes are part of the narrative on the Fox show. What can referees do that will be more forceful to stop these things from happening, but without it being too costly for the fighter involved? Uh, should fighters be warned once for not closing their hands? And then even if they don't actually poke an eye, should they be penalized for not keeping the fingers retracted? As in, so they don't even actually have to stop the fight or poke anybody. Let's say they get another, you know, the, the fingers are out again. Then that, at that point, they can take a point. Um, thankfully, nobody has been blinded by the, in the UFC yet, but something has to be done in my opinion. So what do you feel about that? Well, I think it's the same thing that we brought up before. I, I think it's you give them the warning in the locker room. You do it once. You get a point taken away. It's pretty, it's pretty cut and dry. It how keeps do you, happening. How do you feel about the idea of even if your hands are extended, kind of enforcing something there? Not oh. the actual action of poking the eye, but extending it after you've been warned. Oh, man. And you get a point taken away from that? I mean, that's not exactly I mean, illegal. You're the one who's the harshest on this? I would no, but say if that you actually poke someone in the eye. I mean, like, if you want to play that game and, and you know, skirt the fa- fine, that's okay. But once you poke someone, then boom. One That's point. Fair. That's fair. I mean, you can, you can, you know, you can play that game all you want, but as uh, as long as you don't cross the line. Yeah, I agree. Um, one, if, if you're got your hand, you're defending with one yeah. hand out like that, and that as soon as that touches an eyeball, yeah, point deduction, and then next week there are no more eye pokes. That's all. What do you mean next week? Well, I mean the the next following Saturday. You know, like once, like the Reebok stuff. You know, like they gave all these crazy fines for the, you know. Oh, I understand. Yep, yep, yep. And, and, and no, of course, doing it. if they went in the locker room and told the fighters, the second you points poke someone in the eye, a point will be deducted. You know, the, there's going to be accidentals. There's no doubt about it because that's just the nature of the game. The fingers are are out, but we'll see way less. 100. percent People will think twice about it. Yeah, especially that's the only understanding. Way to do it. I think in scrambles, you know, there's going to be some eye poking and accident. Yeah. I think those can accident, but if, especially in the standing part. Yeah, it's easy. It's time. I mean, it's just it makes all the sense of the world if you. It's at the, the way it is now. It pays to do it. Like e- even someone like 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 Ryan Bader, right? When he was in that tough spot on the ground, if he would have poked Anthony Johnson in the eye, he wouldn't have lost a point. But Anthony Johnson would have had to, you know, stop doing what he's doing. Go, to, you know what I mean? At this point, it actually, it actually pays to cheat. And that's messed up. I get your point. I don't know if I agree with that. I think if Bader was mounted and turned around and poked him in the eye, I think no, no, no. Probably... You know, you know, like when he was going for the Kimura and there was this little scramble on the ground after the failed takedown attempt. Like if if someone if something or he would have got nailed in the balls. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But you know what I mean. The action would have stopped. I can almost assure you, a point would have been taken away. Yeah, che- cheating pays for now. Cheating that's crazy. Pays for now. Speaking of Bader, good segue. Uh, it seems like he's at a dead end at, in the light heavyweight division. doesn't have the staying power of a Benavides or Misha Tate. I don't know if I agree with that, but let's just say he's in a similar position to that. I think he's a bigger name than Benavides. What do you think uh, should be his next move? 
Uh, I mean, I think, look, he, uh, he lost to a great fighter. He was on a five-fight winning streak. It seems like he can't get past that five-fight winning streak. The last time he had a five-fight winning streak, he lost to John Jones, who then became the light heavyweight champion less than two months later. Uh, I don't think he needs to retire. I think he made a really big mistake. Um, and, I, and, and, and I can assure you he probably wishes he had that back. I think that, look, I'm no fighter. I don't like to give advice. But usually, I was talking to Cormier about this yesterday on the phone. He agreed 100%, so I feel comfortable enough saying it. I mean, you can't just shoot in right away. And I also think that Johnson's takedown defense is actually quite underrated. I think people like to make a big deal about his takedown defense. It's, it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. I'd say it's better than not that bad. Um, you got to set it up. You got to mix it up. You got to give him something else to look at and to worry about and then go for the shot. So I don't know. Maybe the moment got to him. I don't know what it is. But, uh, yeah, that, that was a big mistake. The fight would not have ended that quickly if he had done what he did against the likes of, of Rashad Evans. He had grown comfortable on his feet. So I don't know why he went away from that all of a sudden. Yeah, Rumble's never had bad takedown defense. It's that, you know, after the first round, his takedown defense gets a little worse, then the second round a little worse, then the third round a little worse. Um, but I don't know if shooting on him that quickly was, was the right strategy now, you know. Hmm. But I feel like hindsight's easy, you know, but I feel like if he would have stood up in the first minute, got knocked out, we'd be saying yeah. the opposite. We'd be like, "Oh, why didn't you shoot on him?" You exactly. Know, you know that's the way to beat him. Fair enough, but right out of the gate, like uh, boom, just like that. I mean, look, it, it it worked for BJ Penn against John Fitch, <laughs> but I don't think that people were expecting that out of BJ. Like, I I think that there is something to doing that right off the bat, but I also think that. Uh, Rumble actually has pretty good take. Like that was a big thing that he, he does, kept talking about at the scrum on Thursday, I, and I didn't understand it. I think statistically, I, I, I looked this up before. I think he has similar takedown defense to Ryan Bader, so it's not like it was some kind of uh, hmm. wrestler versus striker uh, matchup. They're, they're they're pretty similar in the sense that they can both keep it standing and and both have big power. Although Bader has been a little more um, measured and and focusing more on on combinations than than that one power shot like he used to. And so also, um, I, I will add that I think business-wise for the UFC, a lot of people want to see Rumble versus uh, John Jones. I think more people would be into the uh, DC fight, especially because that fight was put together on short notice and he did rock him in the first round. I think business-wise for the UFC, this was probably the better result. All right, we got to get these two out of here pretty soon. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break, not in the show. We're just going to take a break from the questions in this moment okay. to bring over... Yes. Oh, what do we got? Yeah. We got we got a presentation for we have Casey. Cake? Oh Woo, yes, we do. look at that. What kind of cake is this? Yeah, what kind of cake? Green tea crepe cake. Green tea crepe cake. Never heard of such a thing. Because I'm Asian. It's because it's oh, magic. Oh gosh. Um, I can say that. What's it? Uh, what's it taste like? <laughs> I don't know, Casey. Why don't you just lick it? <laughs> do we got any candles? Anything? Nothing. No candles? Can you play the birthday song at yes, least? Yes, something. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm talking to you. Can yes, you put yes, on yes. the... On the um, happy... I mean, at this point, we probably have like five Wait, people will watching. Sing, will you sing for me? You sing for everyone else. No, no, no. Really? I, I, I Wait a minute. I don't sing on demand. There it is. Oh, wait, there's my show. Maybe it is working all of a sudden, the stream. There it is. But no, not even a single candle. There he is, I mean, EKC. It's a small cake. We can't fit that many candles on there. Diving in. 38 years young. Wow. Look it. at him now. He broke it. The review is in. Tastes like green tea and green, green tea. tea. <laughs> what a what a strange combo, green tea but and but an intriguing one. <laughs> now where are we off to? You guys are going to Las Vegas or are you going home? Going home for a day. 
then um, we fly out to Vegas uh, tomorrow night to see you again. For the big UFC Fight Night 82 card. I'm excited about that. <laughs> it's a fight night. Yes, it's big. In Las Vegas. Jared, uh, uh, the co-main event. It's awesome. What, Jared Rochelle? See, this is my, my this is my take on the co-main event. If if I can, like if Bruce Buffer says co-main event of the evening, that's just not right, right? I mean, there, not every card has a co-main event, right? Am I not right? I, I disagree with this. Now for you the second, the last fight of the night. Wait, you disagree? No, just say up next. Wait, wait, you disagree? You think that he should call that the co-main event? You should call it if it's the second from Why? the top. Got to be the co-main event. Not every look, Weidman Rockhold. That was a co-main event. That means. Look, if, if, well, this is a weird case, but like if, if Hendricks Thompson falls through, is, is, is well, Rochelle. So there, there no main event? But I mean, that's Wait just, a, pro that's just a process of elimination. Tell me the answer. Is a there co -main no main event, event means if that it falls off? The co main event to me means that if, whoops, co main event means <laughs> that if, if, if this second to last fight was just alone as it's made, it's that good. This could pass as a main event. And not every card has that. So why should they all be co-main events? Because the main event is this done the same way. The co-main event should be done the same way. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Anyway. Is, there, is, there a, is there a card without a people's main event? Has that happened? No, of course not. There's always a people's main event. There's always a co-main event. Always. This is a very, this is a very tricky one. Um, is Mickey Gall the people's main event? Because, I mean, this is a guy literally plucked out of obscurity. Well, or is it I don't know. I don't know if it's Mickey Gall. It might be Mike Jackson. Well, I mean, the people's main event takes Wait, two to tango. Yeah, there's two in there. Sure. Although, um, it, it, it's, it's a little weird that Mike Jackson is not playing by the same set of rules. Houston's own Mike Jackson, I might add. Yeah, Houston's um, But you know what I mean? It's like, why is the stipulation just for Mickey? What if Mike Jackson wins and we have to go through this whole thing I all over again? I think he can make himself a case if he wins and say, I want that shot. I mean, all it took was Mickey Gall saying it once and he got the shot. Can um, I just say this? I think it's a mistake. It's a mistake having... Uh, CM Punk in attendance for that fight. Like, to have him sit there feels like he's a trophy. You know, a trophy for, like, a prelim yeah, but is that so far from what it is? I mean, I he's know. a lottery ticket for these guys. It's just a little weird. All right, one yeah. more before they take off. Okay. Wow, you're really, you're really teasing this. <laughs> Here we go. It's like the whole thing. Actually, it seems like the stream is pretty good now. Yeah, come on. I, I fixed it. Casey fixed it. Thank God. Tarek Safadine, yeah, Jake Ellenberger. Was great to see Tarek finally making a comeback after an injury layoff. What do you yes. think should be next for him following his win? Conversely, Ellenberger has now lost five of his last six fights. Do you think we've seen the end of his UFC run? Well, I'm going to talk about Tarek first. Actually, this never aired. I don't think it aired on the post-fight show. I interviewed him uh, for Fox Sports, and uh, he actually almost didn't make it to the fight, believe it or not. At the 11th hour, they realized that he didn't have the right visa or it had expired. Something strange going on because, you know, he was in he's from Belgium, but he was in Canada at TriStar preparing. He had to fly back to, to Europe to get a different kind of visa and then fly back to Montreal and then fly to Newark. Now I know Newark and Montreal are close, but he, he actually said he was very close to having to pull out of the fight and the UFC's uh, lawyers helped him out with, with that. So, wow, what, what, a, what a tragedy that would have been, right? Um, this is a guy who hadn't fought since October of 2014, and, uh, and he would have had to pull off for something crazy like that. Not injury-related, and he's been hit with injuries. Nice win for him. I thought he deserved to win. Good to see him back. I still think he's somewhat of a player at 170. It just feels to me like Ellenberger, there's something missing there. 
I don't know what it is. I won't ask you because I know you didn't watch the card. I did, actually. No, you didn't. I did, actually. When did you watch it? I, w- I have it on my DVR, and I watched it after I got home from family activities. What was so important that made you miss UFC on Fox 18? Uh, a baby shower, welcoming oh. life into this world. How and about that? Nighttime baby shower? Never well, heard no, of that was, a thing. that was in the afternoon, and then we went out with the family after. Hmm. I mean, you could have said, you know what? I need to watch this card. I'm on a, a, a live national broadcast, breaking it down afterwards. My thoughts will be welcomed. Yeah, I could have I said that, but I have a family. So what did you think? Um, first of all, that would have been a damn shame if uh, that fight didn't happen because of you know issues outside of injuries. I mean, he, he, obviously, Tarek looked like, you know, I, I wouldn't say he looked as good as he did before he left, but... You know, in terms of the skill set and and what he was still bringing, um, he looked like Tarek Safadine just a little bit. He he needs to shake the rust off. But as far as following the game plan, being tough as nails, I mean, Ellenberger landed a a few clean shots on him. Um, It it was still there. The package is still there. And I'm still, you know, excited to see what what Tarek has has, uh, coming up. And as far as Ellenberger goes, that, you know, I I agree with you. I don't think, um, I don't think. He's been the same since he went on this kind of losing streak. And I'm not sure what it is. He's changed camps. Changed camps, yeah. Um, and You know what? I really didn't pay attention. I don't know if you guys saw Casey or Eric or Esther when she gets back in there. Who was in his corner this time? I forgot his name. Um, his striking coach, um, he teaches. Um, he's a boxing coach in downtown L.A. at this place called Strong Sport Gym. It's a really good gym. I mean, I go to there a couple times to do Muay Thai. Oh, look at you. Uh, yeah. But that sounded like another there. media member. Pumping up his uh, I train UFC skills. Well, I'm just. I, <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, I think Kenny was in his corner, right? Wasn't Kenny in his corner, the wrestling coach? Was he? Well, maybe. Okay. I just know that this boxing guy. It was a, he's not. But it wasn't, wasn't Edmund. Edmund. No, it, it wasn't Edmund. And he wasn't with Edmund for the last fight either. Right. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. I'm curious to see. I mean, they just they just released a couple of guys. Actually, they released like nine or ten. Yeah. Um, at least those are the ones that came out. People get released all the time, and uh, some of them just don't get noticed or reported. Uh, the notable ones, Danny Castillo and Mike Pierce. So that is the lightweight division. Um, I, this is welterweight. What the hell am I talking about? <laughs> anyway, yeah. You want, do you watch fights? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, tough spot for him, but uh, good for Tarek Safadine. Okay, this Jake should still be around. He still hasn't lost to a guy outside the top ten until you... Until you do that, like you, you're losing to you know those guys. Sure. I don't know. I still think he's he's just, he's just losing to the top guys. Maybe he's just a top fifteen and not a top ten. That's it would okay. be. I, I have no problem with those guys who are like in title contention, then going all the way to the bottom and seeing them get built up. I think that's actually kind of interesting. You know, that's why I feel like tangent. But the Sage thing, like I'm still super interested to steal uh, his nickname in his like to me seeing how a guy rebounds is just as interesting as a guy on a winning streak. They both have their, you know, their, their, their uh, interesting qualities to me. And so for Ellenberger, if you put him, like let's say there's 50 welterweights, I don't know what the number is, but let's say there's 50. If you put him up against like number 47, to me that's interesting too. Can he make that climb? Because I think that the UFC has become its own farm system. Really, that's the case. Like there's 500 fighters under contract for the UFC. Anyone who says like, oh, that, that's what Mickey Gall doesn't deserve to be there. No, the fact that Mickey Gall or any other fighter who's 5-0 and or 2-0 and or 3-0 and is on the UFC roster doesn't take away from whoever's in the main event. So they've become their own farm system. So just put them back down and build them up. You don't have to give them away. You've invested a lot in a guy like Jake Ellenberger. He's been in main events. You don't have to give them away to someone else. Now, if you have, 
you know, if you have uh, space that is needed and you, you need to get rid of him, you don't see a future, fine. But I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that as well. They yeah, don't always have to fight top 10. He certainly has yeah. not gotten that step down. Everybody yeah. he's faced has been tough. Yeah. Ellenberger versus the loser of Gall versus Jackson. Nah, see, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> That's no. a little crazy. Yeah. Okay. How much do you If th- you're going to be on the show, you have to actually. They're <laughs> UFC fighters. How much do you think the change of Hendricks and Wonderboy to five rounds, uh, previously three rounds, will affect the fight? Hendricks can barely, uh, this is commentary that may be unnecessary, Hendricks can barely fight past the third round. That means Wonderboy will have a much better chance. But how, how do you think that will, will affect the fight? Well, contrary to what had been reported, um, the, the Wonderboy camp, and in particular his father, really wanted this to be five rounds. And, and it's obvious why. They, they want to test his cardio. And uh, look, let's not forget, Johnny Hendricks has been in five-round fights. Uh, in fact, he's been in many more than Wonderboy. Wonderboy, in my opinion, was scheduled for just one against uh, Ellenberger, and that didn't go five rounds, so it didn't really matter. But he's been in there against Lawler twice. You know, he's at GSP. So I think people are hanging their hat on, or at least his camp, that you know the, the weight cut's going to be a problem and all that. But by all accounts, what his manager is telling me, pictures, all that stuff, that he's, he's figured it out. So let's see. He's doing it on his own. Dolce is not with him. And that's sometimes a little tricky. Uh, I can understand why Wonderboy has never had a problem with that. Um, so I think, I, I, but I, I do think a little too much is being made of it. Let's not forget this guy is a former champion. He's been in five round fights before. Yeah, I don't think this will drastically change the fight. I and, think. And also, don't forget, he won a five round fight in the final minute. Like like that fight against Robbie Lawler went down to the 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 final minute of the final round. You could make a legitimate case that he beat GSP over five rounds and beat yep. Lawler twice over five rounds. Twice. Good point. So, yeah, 181. Um, I don't think the idea that Johnny Hendricks can't fight five rounds is, is accurate. That said, I would, I would think it would favor Wonderboy, but I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily... Just, not only that, but just because even though Hendricks can get through five rounds, he is going to fade a little bit. Um, he's stocky. He, he throws a lot of heat in the, in the first couple of rounds. And um, he kind of relies on the wrestling more and more as the fight goes on uh, because, you know, his stand-up is, uh, is getting a little more sluggish. Um, and I think Wonderboy will, will probably be fresher if it goes to five rounds, but I don't think it'll drastically change this fight. Did you want to say something, Casey? Oh, we got to go. We got to catch yeah, a fight. Oh, okay. Peace out. Are we Thank holding you, for you up? Thank you for coming on the show, guys. Yeah. Thank you for coming. I'm sorry for holding you up. It sounded like you were a little <laughs> upset there. Uh, thank you for coming. Happy birthday. Great to see he you. He graciously gave us some cake. Oh, yes. I'll have that after. Eat it now. Well, no one wants to see someone eat on television. I learned that when I did my uh, preview show with Mark Ramundi. Safe travels. <laughs> thank you for coming. You. <laughs> I'll see you uh, in a couple days. All right. There they are, the dynamic duo known as Casey and Esther. Um, all right, what else we got? Okay. Team Alpha, <laughs> team Alpha Male. What in the world is going on with the team? I know you have some nuggets for us. Lots of strange tweets lately. What do you, what do you got on Team Alpha Male? Okay, can I just say that one of my least favorite storylines going on right now is these, these tweets from the maybe members, not so members, sometimes members of Team Alpha Male. I mean, what's going on? Do they feel a little passive aggressive to you with the emojis and the, the, the sub... You know, there, there's like these, these the subcontext to them. I don't know what's going on, but like, can we just come out and say where we stand? If we do stand, any, I don't know. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? I do. You're, you're saying it's subtweeting. You want to see the real deal. You want to see well, them just saying tell me what's going on. This well, is this is where I'm standing. This is my camp. Um, but I think it's you know, imagine you're in their their position. I think it's a very difficult kind of thing to navigate. Um, well, look, do what's best for you. 
Yeah, but we've seen how the results of that go. Every time TJ Dillashaw opens his mouth or, or on social media posts something, we've got a, a thousand snake emojis sure. posted. Um, well, should, should those guys get that same treatment? I don't think so. I don't think it's fair that he gets it to begin with, but we know why. Um, I think that that team is probably in a... I, by the way, I don't, really have, I don't really have the scoop, but it's, you don't have to be a, a, a rocket scientist. Team Alpha Male is looking for a coach... There's obviously, you know, a state of transition going on. TJ Dillashaw is a good friend of those guys. He's had success with those guys. They've had success with those guys. And in particular, I'm talking about Bang Ludwig. Uh, For Joseph Benavidez to go where he's had great success, Colorado with Bang, before this fight, and then also to split some time with arguably the best team in the world in Albuquerque, that's nothing but smart. Sometimes you have to evolve. Um, He hasn't, you know, reached... Title status, he got super close twice. You have to evolve in this game. And uh, th- that takes guts. That takes confidence. So he's doing what he has to do, and, and that's pretty much it. But if this is the imp- – like, I don't know. And, and I know they probably get a lot of crap because it's a byproduct of the whole TJ thing, but it just feels like there's a lot of, like – there's, like, a lot of uh, code reading that needs to be done. And then in turn like, – like, Muscle Farm will send out a picture – Welcome to the team. And then I'll ask Lance Palmer about it. And he's like, no, 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 that was worded incorrectly. We're still part of the team. I'm like, what the heck is going on? How could you allow them yeah. to tweet something like that? And then not even take it down. It's just, that's, well, I th- the muscle farm people know what they're doing in, in all of this. Let's be honest. They all know what they're doing. I think that's one of the downsides of social media, though, is that a lot of times things are coming out before they're ready to come out. We see this all the time um, where because we have this instantaneous um, uh, method for, for, you know, breaking news and giving people information. Um, there's, there's this push to do it quickly and sometimes it's not the right way to do it. Yeah. So maybe this is stuff that's not supposed to be coming out and it's not supposed to seem so murky. You know, maybe it's just control of that, but they're under a finer microscope these days because, uh, let's see what happens in this fight. He's fighting Zach Makovsky this weekend. If he loses, Everyone's going to say, oh, you, you, know, you turn your back on the team. If he wins, people are going to say, oh, look, the new team is better. It's, a, it's, a, it's drama. Believe it or not, I don't like this drama. This drama has been going on way too long. I know some people think that I love the drama, but this is the kind of drama that I feel like has run its course. But hey, also, it's their life. Maybe it is actually you know, dragging on, and they want to figure it out as well. Who knows? This question is about helping retired fighters. I'm going to expand the scope a little bit after I read it. Hi, guys. With all the improvements to professionalism in the UFC and MMA in general, do you think the next step is to make sure fighters are prepared and looked after in retirement? I ask this now as a UK fan who sadly watched an ill-aging Frank Bruno uh, be interviewed today saying he wanted to return to the ring at 54. When fighters give their bodies and health to a sport or company, do you think that the fight organization or athletic commission has a moral duty to look after them when they exit the ringer cage? You were talking a little bit earlier about um, fighters not looking out for each other and being in it for themselves. Let's expand this from, you know, the organizations looking after them in retirement to looking at, to, to the fighters looking after themselves as well in, in the form of a union. What do you, what do you think um, could be done to kind of, you know, reduce the, the tension between the individual fighters um, and how they could look after, you know, themselves in, in retirement? Yeah, this is a, a heavy duty topic. Um, and I think it's something that a lot of fighters struggle with. Every single time, you know, they, they reach a point in their career. Like, 
a guy like Anthony Proch, does he deserve... You know, he, the smart ones have something waiting around for them. They've, they've, they've done the right things to get to this point. They've looked past their career while they were in the midst of their career. But not everyone's in that boat. And sometimes the end comes quicker than you expected. Um, I do think that it would be... Look, there's, there's so many fighters out there, and it's, it's a different sport than the major sports, NFL, NBA, and all those leagues. So, you know, where do you draw the line? Who's, who's benefiting from all this? Is it just people in the UFC? Is it, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not as cut and dry. I just wish that there was, ju- there was just some more unity. And um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I really don't know what the answer is to this question. Um, I don't know how. Like, the UFC has picked some guys that they've helped. And I think that's a very admirable thing. Guys like Matt Hughes and Forrest Griffin and recently Big Nog, and I think that there are others, by the way, that we don't know about that they've also helped sure. um, when they needed to retire. There are others that, you know, like we saw when Sam Stout was on, and he said, like, he'd even get a call or anything. And where does he go from here? And he's, like, 30 years old. So I don't know what the answer is. But do you think there has to be some kind of effort from the fighter's end to make this happen? But what can they do? They're, they're looking, in that regard, they're looking out for themselves. They have their own situations. Um, what are they going to do, donate to these fighters? I, I don't know. Um, uh, How, like, the, the, is there a pot? I, I don't know. I, I don't. I really don't know. How you, How do you fix this? I think it has to be a combination of the fighters banding together, the organizations banding together. There has to be a bi- There has to be a bigger movement in mind than you know. Yeah. Than the present. Um, perhaps your tenure is a factor. You know, like yeah. Perhaps if you have five UFC fights, you're you're subjected to this amount. You know. I don't think it, it's only UFC though. I think it's you know MMA as a community. Like if you know. Across organizations, there may have to be some kind of you know cooperation. Um, it's 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 a it's a bigger idea and a bigger a bigger impact than just like you know the, the way the Reebok deal works, where your tenure pays you X amount. I think there has to be a really significant effort from everybody involved in the sport, not just um, certain organizations and not just certain levels of fighters. It's, it's gonna it's it's gonna take a lot. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't see it. By the way, I don't see it happening anytime soon. And again, the Sage Northcut thing just, yeah, you know, just reminded me that it's never happening, or at least it's not happening anytime soon. I just, and I, I don't know if I'm verbalizing it the right way. Um, and I have no problem with saying that. Yeah, maybe it is because he's a kid and because he's he's so respectful. But it's just to me, it feels weird to see people. The only people who truly know what he is feeling are the fellow fighters. And to laugh at a kid, and again, I keep saying that, and it's weird for me to say that because I feel like I'm a kid as well, but he's 19 years old. To laugh at him, yeah. You don't want to laugh at Dana. You don't want to laugh at the UFC. Fine. But what, laugh to your friends. Laugh to your wife. Laugh to your, you know, to your peers. Just, I don't know. Yeah, it's mean. It's, it's just mean. It's vicious. Um, these are Twitter questions now. Let's run through them quickly, then maybe we can take a, a quick preview of uh, the upcoming card. Lawler versus Conor McGregor might be a reality sooner rather than later. What do you think about that? Conor, Conor fighting for the 170 belt. No, I don't like that. That's a big jump. I mean, for now, he's got the 145. I, I, think, I think juggling between two divisions is cool. Three divisions is, is asking for a lot. That's too much. Don't you agree? I mean... Let's see him at least pull off the other one first, and then... No, I know. I think this guy's assuming that that happens. If, if that doesn't happen, it's definitely not. I don't think they'd let him anyway. This is Artem 
It's incredible. Yeah, this is the picture. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, well, if you're if you're only listening to this, we have a picture here of Artem Loba, a, a very handsome Artem, by the way. This this is a fine looking young young oh. woman as well. And he liked it. Yes, he did. Uh, and he, yes, with a fine young woman. Um, I wonder. I, I guess he's probably twelve or so here, yes. as he said. Uh, he's he's wearing a puffy shirt, made famous on the Seinfeld show, <laughs> and uh, he looks great. He he actually I th- I kind of thought he was joking, but no, he's no, not. No, this is the real deal. Good find. And our final question. Oh, that's it. Uh, from Twitter, and then as I said, we can take a look at the, sure, uh, the, card. the upcoming card. What's uh, what's your prediction for the Super Bowl? You know, I used to look forward to the Super Bowl. Oh, here to, we go. I just. I, I want Here we go. I want Cam Newton to win um, because they've never won before, and he seems to be here's, some kind of polarized. Yes. Here's an interesting one. How do you feel about the hate directed at Cam Newton? Uh, I think it's ridiculous. Well, I will say, like, I guess his own league makes him, you know, the bad guy, saying that he can't sure. celebrate. What the heck is that? What does he do that's always, like, what is he doing that's so wrong? He's giving kids balls? No, no fun league, man. What is that? That's one of the many reasons why. I don't really care about the NFL. I used to count down the days to the Super Bowl. Like, this week was the best. I used to consume all the media, all the talking, all that. Are you on record right count now saying out. you're not going to watch it? No, no, no. I'll watch it. But, uh, you know, I'll watch it at 618. I'm not watching no no kickoff special, no blah, blah, blah. It's fun. It, it always feels big. I really, I'm really starting to develop a, a disdain for the NFL. And probably, you know, a major reason for that is, um, you know, my Buffalo Bills not making the playoffs in the 21st century, having the longest playoff drought streak in North American sports. So that probably makes you a little jaded. Like if they were kicking butt and winning Super Bowls, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd probably feel better about the whole thing. But there's so much that I dislike about the sport and the way it's covered and the way we have to hear about it all year round. Like, eh, count me out. But anyway, I'll pick the Panthers. Who are you picking? I got the Panthers, and I, and if I was a betting man, uh, I don't bet on football. If I was a betting man, I'd probably give up the points. And uh, what is it? I think it's like minus seven Panthers. Um, I'd, I'd probably give that up. What does that mean? Give up the points? Like the Panthers are giving seven points to the Broncos, meaning Broncos score end of game plus seven. If the if the Broncos win with those extra seven points, they win. If the no, I understand that. So I'm saying I would take the Panthers. Oh, and the minus points. seven. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, because I just I don't think the Broncos are that good. They do seem like, and uh, I think Cam Newton is is kind of built for this. Are there any fun parlays yet? I don't. Wouldn't know. Haven't looked into it. Don't don't care about football betting. Um, I feel like the game is kind of. You're not going to bet on the the Super Bowl. Isn't Get out of thing? here. What? No way. Really? No. But isn't it fun to do like who's going to, you know, is it going to be heads oh, or tails? Oh, who's going who's gonna to sing? Uh, are they going to sing the national anthem for longer than a minute or well, hold this note for 30 seconds? There's all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah, you don't like that? No. All right. It's not my, not my, uh, my forte. Okay. Not into it. I am into betting fights, though. Yes. Uh, I've just looked at the odds. Have you looked at them? No. I, I, I don't understand why. I mean, this is kind of weird. There's only four fights. That is an interesting thing. Because, because this was a pay-per-view. Because we're only a, a week out. Um, that is weird. I don't know. I, can't, I don't have a, an explanation for that. Well, let's go with what we got. Okay. Uh, Zach Makovsky versus Joseph Benavidez. Joey B. 
Yeah. He's a big one. Minus 417. Actually, minus 405 and plus 358. Um, St. Preux versus Rafael Feijao Cavalcante. Uh, I'm going to go with OSP. Yeah, another big one. Minus 340, plus 309. The co-main event of the evening. Yes. Jared Rochalt versus Roy Nelson. Roy Nelson. This is a smaller one, perhaps surprisingly. Minus 157, plus 143. It makes sense to me just because of, um, because of uh, Rochalt's style. You know, that, that it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to stop. And he's tough. He can take a punch. Um, but it's hard to stop uh his because his kind of uh you know heavy wrestling game i don't i don't think it's going to be a problem for roy nelson though i think he'll you think he wins i think he'll win yeah uh johnny hendrix stephen thompson Hen- mm, actually oh, look I, was at a, you. I was about to say you know what it is i feel like stephen thompson is kind of trending up trending up yeah and um i think hendrix will be a slight favorite what is it yeah you're right Hendricks, my favorite, minus 211, plus 186. That's, that's a little higher than I would think. I would think that Thompson's live there. Um, yeah, it's a, tough, it's a tough fight to call. because. So then of, you're saying he's a live dog. He's a live dog. Do it. What do you mean do it? Bet it. <laughs> oh, great. You're going to loan me the cash for that? No, no, no. This is, I'm saying oh, you're telling the world. Me telling the world? Yes. I like, remember, I... Uh, if we go, if we flash back to the last show, we were talking about um, what fight was it? Did, 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 did. There was a fight where somebody was a huge. Um, oh no, it wasn't a huge thing. It was a guy asking about a parlay, and he was saying Wilson Hayes. Uh, he, he was he was saying Dustin Ortiz is part of the parlay, and I think it was Barnett Ortiz and somebody else. And I was like, no way, Wilson Hayes um, is super live, and I, I wouldn't uh, bet on that one. And Hayes ended up having a really, really good performance. Mm-hmm. Um, for this one, I, I think Wonder Boy, Wonder Boy might be worth uh, throwing some money down on. Wow. Sage Northcut 2.0 right there. I don't know about that. He's a lot younger. Excuse me, older than Northcut. He's also had like 50-something <laughs> pro kickboxing matchups. Are you just saying because of their, their boyish charm? And the karate style. Karate he, style. He's, 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 a, he's, a, he's a bad MFer, that guy. He is. Uh, Wonderboy. Okay, uh, true or false? Does Sage Northcut rebound from this? Give me, give me like what that means. Well, like, the, does he actually go on to having you know an actual career in the oh, UFC? Not even, not even a question in my mind. Okay. The guy is nineteen and has all the physical tools um, to do whatever he kind of wants in this sport. I don't think, I don't think there's any question that if he puts together a, a good game plan, gets in a, in a good camp. Um, continues to progress and doesn't fight, you know, short notice fights where he's obviously feeling ill. Um, there's there's no limit to how good he could possibly be. Hmm. He's got all the tools, and that's half the battle. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of guys who have been blessed with his kind of athletic ability, um, and, and you know, started started in the UFC at 19 years old. There's just not a lot of guys who who are afforded that. So, um, no question in my mind now. He can't, he, he can't go back to you know uh, fights fights in in the main card of of you know a, a big event. He needs to take a step back, fight somebody you know a little more his uh, his speed, um, and then build up from there. But no question, at some point he will be you know a bigger deal in the UFC. Do you get what I'm saying though? And in particular, the uh, the Porzingis 
comparison because they both are 19 years old. Like you don't see fellow rookies who were drafted after him. Uh, I can't think like a Devin Booker or whatever. Right. Tweet out like when he well, gets posterized and like, look see- at this scrub you know what i mean you won't see guys in those sport you know to be fair to 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 this comparison you won't see guys in those this sport tweeting as much as or being as active on social media as the other fighters in this sport in our sport they just and don't that's have a time. good thing i'm the, happy for that the nba is is too much of a of a full-time sport sure for, for them to be doing that and you know fair mma enough. for whatever reason isn't like that um but you get my point I do get your point that they wouldn't necessarily be reveling in it. Yes. And, and I completely agree that that's, that's where the line is crossed. But as a, you know, I still maintain that him being young is not a reason for him to be able to avoid this. Yeah. I mean, look, he's playing, he's playing he's, under the he's, same yeah, rules and exactly. the same organ. I get that. Uh, I just feel like there's, there's a human side to it. The, yeah. The, que- the question to be asked is why? What, what yeah. does it help you? To, to make fun of, you know, Sage Northcutt. I think the idea of, you know, him is very refreshing. And there were a lot of, there were a lot of jokes, um, you know, at that last fight night event. There was the thing about him not using the internet and sure. all this stuff. That stuff is funny because it's good natured. It's, it, it doesn't come from a mean place. Right. Whereas the people who are celebrating him losing, it comes from a very mean place. And that's, you know, that's the difference there. I think there's a way to have fun with, with you know, Sage Northcutt's uh, – presence in mma and there's a way to just be mean and that's what we saw on saturday it's just people being mean yeah and look it's a fight game you know like so, yeah. it, it's not the feelings game and it's it seems like he's handling it in stride unbelievable to, like you know it didn't seem to affect him too much he had a great per- you know i talked i talked to him for a minute before he came on the yeah on the show and he, he's the same you know on camera off camera he's he sees he's an upbeat guy and i think that there's people who just don't like that i i will say i was surprised that he agreed to come on and look at, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, he didn't have as much to lose as some of the big name fighters, but to see at 19 years old that he's keeping it in perspective and having like, I think everyone wanted to see him cry and see the negativity come out and just wait, you know, that's part of the, I think the appeal here because he's just so squeaky clean and positive all the time. They they wanted to see how's he going to react to this. And the fact that he's not, um, and he's still pretty much the same, is a is a pretty cool is a pretty cool thing to see. And I don't think if let's say he hits another you know speed bump, I don't think that we'll see quite the same backlash. I think this was a one time thing because it was like Ronda Rousey where it was undefeated. We're building toward this big thing, and then the the cards are all shuffled. Um, I don't think the expectation will be as high, or you know, or the the push will be as pronounced um, for Sage until he's back where he belongs at that point. Right. So I don't I don't think we'll see that again. There's something about this guy. Like we've hardly talked uh, about Jimmy Rivera winning his 18th yeah. fight in a row. Congratulations to him. Ben Rothwell once again with a huge win, submitting Josh Barnett. Something that no one thought could be done. Um, and, and now one step closer to that title shot. And again, Anthony Rumble Johnson with another dominant win. He is, without a doubt, the number one contender in the UFC's light heavyweight division. All right, we're done. Is that it? That's it. All right, here we go. Um, okay, you hit my music. Again, if you're listening to this afterwards, stream stuff doesn't really matter, but uh, if you are trying to fight through this entire show, I appreciate your patience and your loyalty. It means a lot. What a What an interesting day. Benson Henderson, now the... Newest member of the Bellator MMA roster. Is this the beginning of that snowball effect? It's going to be a lot of a lot of fun covering this. It's a very interesting time in the world of mixed martial arts. 
congratulations to him on his new deal and appreciate him coming on especially with uh, the issues appreciate him coming on i am going to stick to that story he definitely broke our show he broke our stream he broke the internet he's that big of a deal anyhow thank you very much to dave Meltzer. and best wishes to our man brett the hitman heart hope everything goes well for him a legend in his own right and uh, my favorite pro wrestler so he's had a tough run i hope he gets well soon Thank you very much to Fabrizio Verdum for coming on and explaining his situation. I appreciate it greatly. Thank you very much to Artem Lobov. Good luck to him this Saturday. UFC Fight Night 82. It airs on Fox Sports 1. His fight airs on Fight Pass alongside Mickey Gall versus Mike Jansen, but the entire card is on Fox Sports 1 against... Uh, he's fighting Alex White. 205, thank you very much. Benson Henderson, he stopped by. Again, congratulations. Scott Coker, thank you very much to him. And congratulations on the deal. Appreciate Stage Northcut very much. Thank you for stopping by. And thank you very much to Anthony Proch. Happy Trails. If you missed anything, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, all that good stuff and more. See you next week. Until then, say peace. I'm out of here.